Oh my god, Steve, help! What? I've just noticed that I am nude from the pants up. What am I to do? Wow, you're Putin it. Exactly, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm getting that rock and roll Putin look, and <laughs> I am just not fond of it. My nipples are exposed, as well, well as my chest hair. Let me tell you, Ben, this is very fortunate for you, because today's show is sponsored by Clairvoyant Clothing. Oh my god, Clairvoyant Clothing? That sounds like something I could probably find on Instagram. Why, you could, at Clairvoyant Clothing Company. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. What are they going to do for me to help me with my upper nudity situation? <laughs> Upper nudity. Upper nudity. <laughs> well, Ben, Clairvoyant Clothing is a horror and occult-themed casual clothing brand. They offer large eye-catching designs Ooh. as well as small chest pocket prints and even plain black tees, if that's more your style. Oh, man. You know what? I formerly was really into plain white tees, but I'm past All that phase right. now. But, Stephen, I don't have tons of money in my pocket right now. Whatever am I to do? Are these expensive? Wow. Ben. T-shirts and tank tops start at just sixteen sixty six. <gasps> That's the pricing of the beast. The pricing of the beast. <laughs> and sizes range from small to three XL. So there's something for every gender, size, and shape. I'll take mine in extra medium. That's the mediumest. The, the most medium of all. <laughs> Wow, that's utterly fantastic, Steve. This yeah. is really going to help me get myself in line, get myself presentable to the public, because I really want to go to Benihana. They got that sign up front that says, I got to wear a shirt. What's up with that bullshit? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I don't it's know. Just, uh, free the nipple, I say. Exactly there right. There you go. I don't know what might be their best sellers. I might want to choose a popular one. Well, they sent us their two best sellers, the Death Tarot card design Ooh. and the Uncle Satan Wants You vintage poster design. Their best sellers. We put them on. I was digging it. Nice shirt, nice design. Mm-hmm. And we took some pictures. So you can go check out our Instagram, see what they look like. All the cool kids are doing it. And exclusive. Boom. Stop the fucking presses, everyone. They're offering a discount to dead and lovely listeners. Do People what? listening to this show get a discount? Yeah. Just go to clairvoyantclothing.com and use the coupon code dead and lovely. That's all one word, dead and lovely. For 6% off your order. Oh my lord, that's absolutely fantastic. Go check out Clairvoyant Clothing and start looking like one of the cool kids right now. Woo! Little little Tim. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to the rootinest, the tootinest. That's true. And shootinest. Oh boy. Horror movie podcast in all the multiverse and beyond. Why it's dead and lovely here with the host with the most. It is I, the one what is known as Uncle Ben. And who is that in that chair across from me? It's me, Cowboy Steve. Oh my lord almighty, it's you, Cowboy Steve, I just huh? came in from rustling some beeves. <laughs> yeah, rustling them up? Yeah. How's them beeves doing these days? Uh, they moo and fart. Oh yeah? Yeah. That tends to be what they do. Yeah. You ever seen one of those laying on the ground? Do you call that a ground beef? <laughs> That's old cow yeah. joke right there. Yeah, that's an old cowboy joke. Cowboy dad jokes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think we're in such just a, a, a stomping, rootin' tootin' western mood because we just watched ourselves a bone tomahawk. That's, and that's right. what we're going to be talking about on the show today. It's a damn old western. It's a damn old western. Let, let me ask you this, Steve. Uh-huh. Considering that we call all these movies what are about 
cowboys and the frontier mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We call those westerns. Yeah. How come we don't call all them Kurosawa flicks about samurais easterns? <laughs> I don't know. It's an eastern. Uh, though Kurosawa's Seven Samurai is... Uh, turned into a western. <laughs> turned into a western. So, yeah. From east know. to west. From east to west, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know why we don't call them easterns. I don't know about that. Yeah. Huh. I'll tell you what, though, Steve. I just got back from... The eastern coast of the United States. What? That's a segue right there. <laughs> well, That's what we call well, one of them segues. professional transitions. Yeah, segue uh-huh. it's called. <laughs> yeah, we just got back from being right near the beach. Boy. <laughs> you knew that Did was you coming. take the lime and the coconut and put them both together? Yeah, yeah, I did. Good. It was yeah. decent. It all right. Yeah. I stayed... Pretty wasted the whole time. Yeah, that's fine. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was really fantastic. Yeah, that's we, what the beach is for. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, you reach this point in your life where when you're a kid and you're thinking about doing nothing, you're like, there's nothing to do. This sucks. It's so boring. Right. But then when you get to, you know, later on in life, when you do everything all the time, yeah. nothing sounds so exotic and best. interesting. Doing it's like, nothing? I can just sit? Can you imagine having to go on vacation and taking do stuff? taking Ew. children who want to oh. do stuff the oh, whole time? Oh my lord, they always want to do things. Oh, What's man. with them kids always wanting to do stuff? I don't know. This actually might have been the most nothing I have ever crammed into a week. That's awesome. This might have been an all-time laziest vacation. I'm glad to hear that. I'm so stoked. It mm-hmm. was exactly like the battery recharge that I need. Yeah. Because the past like month or so for me has just been crazy. I, I mean, sheer insanity. Yeah. Ridiculous. And even the night before we left for the beach, mm-hmm. I had a skank banger show like the night before. Yeah. Where I got way unintentionally drunk. <laughs> Very fun. My plan was like backstage green room. It's like, okay, I'll go ahead and get myself a good buzz on. And then I'll just be dry the rest of the show. Right. That way I'm, I'm good. And That's I'm, I'll how be those shows go. That's not how they go. No, it's not. It's not at all how they go. <laughs> Shots just started fucking raining upon the stage. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it got a little got a little trill twisted. I bet. Straight up trill. Straight up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It was pretty pretty grueling waking up the next morning and heading to the beach. I was zombified. I wasn't hungover, strangely. Well, I was that's just good. so fucking tired. Yeah. So this week I sat on the beach with uh, Kith and Ken, yeah. family and friends. Sounds fun. And it was fantastic. And I'll tell you what I drank a whole lot of. What's that? I drank a swarm of my signature homemade <gasps> jalapeno and pineapple margaritas. This thing you've been talking about for so long. Wouldn't you want to know about I've it? I've never even had one. You've never had one? Never had one. Well, how about I make a deal with you, Steve? Make me a deal. How about on next week's show... What's that? We spend some time a sip, sip, sipping on some. Hell yeah. And how about after we go on and on about how goddamn fantastic and delicious they are, uh-huh. what if we released a Patreon-only video where people can see how I make some? That sounds awesome to me. They can get them a pull at home. Get you a pull. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, them jalapeno marks. Uh-huh. Available to, let's just say, Patreon uh, followers at any level. Because yeah. we love y'all. Sure. Y'all are way better than we deserve. Yeah. We just had the drawing... For the Patreon $5 a month subscribers. Mm-hmm, that's right. And, $5 uh, a month means that you can put in a submission that we draw every now and then. 
to choose a user-submitted episode. Yeah, we, we uh, actually randomly selected The Mist, yeah. which two people suggested. So it was in there twice, so it did have more of an opportunity, I guess. Same thing happened last month with 28 Days Later. And guys, these are actual random drawings. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, but yeah. There were actually a couple of titles that were in there more than once. People recognized... We can up the possibility of them doing that movie if I also suggest it. Mm -hmm, That's correct. That's correct, Amundo. So, very fun stuff. We'll do a Patreon video on that for you guys. Oh, yeah. You'll you'll have seen that before you hear this episode, probably. Ooh, yeah. And I've got to tell you what. While I sat there on the beach, I did basically jack shit. I sat under an umbrella. I'm mm-hmm. an extremely pale person. You can see the glorious tan. Oh, boy. You are just, uh, boy. Uh, what just would a you bronze call beauty. Uh, I'd say more of a, like, marshmallow that was sat near a fire. Around one. Around a fire. <laughs> Might we call my skin tone papyrus? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> just baking on the shores yeah. of the Nile. I, say, I can't papyrus. sit in the sun at all. I, uh, You've noticed before, I yeah, wear long sleeves in the summer. Yeah, I get, I get a skin rash so the best option tends to be long sleeves because even when i put sun lotion on Mm -hmm. it always there's always just a tiny little sliver that somehow doesn't get enough on it and it takes no time for me to get a a skin rash so it's awful man it's the worst it's awful so basically what we do uh, whenever Kate and I are on the beach is we sit under an umbrella the entire time mm-hmm. wearing like shirts and cover-ups and stuff. Yeah. Uh, instead of sunblock, I actually opt for unused kabuki makeup. <laughs> well, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll keep the sun off you exactly. for sure. It's yeah. pretty much spackle. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have this like uh, this like 100 <laughs> SPF like sunblock that we uh-huh. use for our faces and stuff. Mm. It's pretty much like trying to rub Elmer's glue into your skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like a liquid shirt. It's <laughs> awesome. It's the shirt that you rub into your face. I um <laughs> when when I was uh 18 or so, I'm I uh, took some Elmer's glue and put my hair in oh, the little Liberty, Liberty spikes. spikes, yeah. How'd that work out for you? Well, it was great. Yeah. Uh surprisingly that washes out pretty easily. Oh, good deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I had it for like a week and a half. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's way too long to be Liberty Spiking. Yeah, they were like starting to mat up. I was like, all right, I'm gonna have to wash this shit out. <laughs> so while I sat there on the beach wearing my my full geisha makeup that uh-huh. I was in I basically just sat there and listened to music and read some book. That's awesome. I'm going to tell you about it. Tell me about some book. So I read two book. Two book. Yeah. One book Mm -hmm. was The Hidden Art of Fucking Up. Okay. By the Try Guys. The Try Guys. Yes. From the YouTube. Who I just watched a Try Guys video yesterday. Which one? Uh, Keith tried everything from Pizza Hut. I watched that last mm-hmm. night as well. Mm-hmm. And it was a delight. I think was- he was high as fuck. He seemed pretty fucked up by the end. Yeah. Which I was thinking the whole time. He was taking too many bites. Because uh, Pizza Hut. Sodium like, bomb, dude. And oh, they, God. they coat the bottom of the pan in just lard. Yeah, yeah. That's how it probably. comes out. So, like, browned and crisp on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, you can't eat that much Pizza Hut. No, uh-uh. Yeah, he seemed... Really yeah. out of it by the yeah. end of it. It was fantastic. How was the book? The book is good, man. The book is good. It's all kind of about like how you can learn so much by fucking up. Yeah. Which is the key. I mean, if you're, I, if yeah. you're not falling down, you ain't learning anything. I'm surprised uh, how that message isn't something everybody knows. I know, right? It really is surprising. I, remember I, I said to my niece 
one time she she said she wasn't very good at something and i was like well that's how you get better is being bad yeah exactly and it was just surprising to her she was like what do you mean like you can't get but you can't get good at something by being bad at it and i was like you can't get good at something by not doing it either that too man that <laughs> you too. do it and you're bad at it and you're bad at it until one day you're all right at that's it pretty much and it. then you're better at it and then you're good at it yeah so just fuck up it doesn't exactly. matter it's yeah. a way to do it. embrace the suck yeah you know I also read You Deserve a Drink by Mamrie Hart, another YouTuber. Okay. For some reason, yeah, yeah, all over the YouTuber YouTube. game. Apparently, that's what I'm doing right mm-hmm. now, I guess. Dude, her book is fucking hilarious. That's awesome. Oh, my God. It's basically all just like, yeah, she'll have like a little drink recipe and then tell a story that kind of inspired the drink recipe or whatever. Oh. Hysterical. Awesome. Like, I was sitting on the beach just fucking laughing out loud god dude it was fantastic i can't recommend it enough it was really 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 funny so i enjoyed that very much one night we had a little bit of time to watch a movie oh man a motion picture a motion picture all right and of course we chose the best motion picture to watch that train coming at the screen Okay, it's one that came a little later oh, than okay. that great train crash. That was yeah. so scary. Great, great train robbery? Is that what it was? Train wreck was or something? A, I don't know. I don't know. People were freaked out, though. Listen, point break. Mm. Okay, that's With, a little a little bit later. than A little later yeah. in the in the movie game than that. Old Catherine Bigelow. That's right. Bam yeah. Bam Bigelow's sister. Catherine Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> if I ever bam, get to introduce bam. Catherine Bigelow for any reason, yeah. I'm saying that. Catherine I don't care what bam, it loses bam, me. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, it's got our, our boy Canoe Reeves. Yep. It's got a Patrick Swayze. Uh-huh. I forgot I had Lori Petty in it. That's true. She and also. Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili <laughs> Peppers. Dubba 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 scubba dubba dubba. California. <laughs> that guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he said California once in the whole what? movie. Yeah, I don't think he did. Kind of disappointing now that I think that about it. That is disappointing. That movie's awesome. It that is movie's great fucking movie. great. Mm-hmm. It's like so dumb, so homoerotic. Yeah. <laughs> what a bromance. Yeah. And it's also fantastic, and I love it. It's also got a, a Gary Busey in it. Oh, yeah. With his teeth. With him and his teeth. Yeah. He brought, like, all of most them. all of them, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You couldn't bring all of them. They don't fit on screen. No, no, no. no. Uh-uh. Got no. to leave some teeth back in the trailer. Yeah, leave them back there, Gary. <laughs> Jesus. So fun. What a good watch. And also, basically spent the entire time listening to the two new Car Bomb songs on repeat. I don't, I don't know what those are. Car Bomb what is, is Car Bomb? this crazy fucking band you actually might get into them because okay. i remember you saying how you uh you jam some of that dillinger stuff while you're like yeah. working out mm-hmm. car bomb is like dillinger plus mashuga plus i i like quantum physics i have okay. no idea car bomb is unfucking believable yeah, that's, uh, that's the real workout music you're working out to anything else you're just not you're not you're not working out to your extreme man you gotta get extreme bro. you gotta be in there like grunting <laughs> dude <laughs> this stuff will get you powered up you're gonna put it on it'll be like power up I do genuinely hate the guys who grunt super loud yeah but uh whenever I do deadlifts I, I'm grunting pretty loud yeah of course <laughs> cause it's I mean uh, how you gotta get that pain out somehow right that's right uh, get the pain out for me it's more of a uh, 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 uh. reminds me of my honeymoon I'm trying to hold this back that also reminds, reminds me of my honeymoon, honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you what Steve I took I took some Hollywood Steve advice Did while you? I was sitting out there on the beach what'd you do because I have 
Okay, I was talking about how I did nothing, but I have, in a sense, lost my ability to fully relax right. for long periods yeah, of time. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, so around like, Everything you know, that I'm doing, even if I'm trying to relax, I'm like, oh, how could I turn this into something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. No. And so maybe around like Wednesday or Thursday, I reached the point where I was like, okay, I've got all this time. I need to be using my brain for something. So mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? It's been way too long since I put out an installment of my flagship series, This Is Why You Suck at Guitar. Oh, yeah? On the YouTube. Those always get all the hits. The kids love them. They love that. I love putting they them love out. They love being told why they suck at guitar. I love telling them why, Steve. They say, Uncle Ben, hurt me, Daddy. Yeah. It's, they, a, they it's confusing. Uncle yeah. and Daddy. But, but it's consensual. But it is. It's true. <laughs> it's role play. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was sitting out there on the beach, and I was like... Boy, uh huh. I don't have my big time guitar, man. So, did you have an acoustic? Actually, I did bring a guitar with me. Okay, but not on I the was beach. Say, not on the beach. I don't totally believe you yeah, didn't have a guitar yeah. with you. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, it's like I need to get some work done. I need to kind of figure out how this episode of This Is Why You Suck is gonna go. Mm -hmm. So, do you know what I did? What'd you do? I wrote the shitty version. Yeah. yeah. All right. I did exactly what you're talking about. Because yeah. sometimes, like whenever I'm doing videos, a lot of the stuff that ends up on camera is just off the cuff, of course. Yeah. But sometimes it helps me to have a rough outline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I sat down and it's like, it can be kind of intimidating. It's like, I've got 200 and whatever, 35,000 people watching people of these videos. It's got to be right. Yeah. It, you can kind of get that writer's block thing. But when I'm just like, you know what? I'll just sit down and write the shitty version of this. Mm -hmm. And then once I figure out what's shitty about it, then I can sculpt it up. The cool thing about it helps doing so that much. Cause, is, Cause here's the thing. I did it right. I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write the shitty version. And then I wrote it. I was like, that's actually yeah, it's not shitty. Shitty. Well, yeah, it's like it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Because when you make it and you're like, this isn't great, it's like, yeah, but that's what you set out to do. Yeah. It's such a great first step. It is. And what happens, I think, for people like us, I, I'd say we're both perfectionists. My wife would definitely say I'm a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in the does, bedroom. In the bedroom. She would say that, yeah. She'd be like, <laughs> he, he makes the bed, he <laughs> fluffs the pillows. Fluffs the pillows. Yeah. Um, the thing is that if it, for us, I think the hard part is making yourself do the shitty version. Yeah. The easy part then is critiquing yourself. Yeah. That's the real easy part. Once you've done the shitty, if you're a perfectionist is to be like, Oh, I need to fix that. I need to fix that. I need to fix that. But then there's also stuff in there where you're like, that actually, that's fine. I maybe punch that up or mm -hmm. ah, maybe I could say exactly this, you know, like yeah. you get some good stuff out of it. Still. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I can look back on my life and, and see that this has been such a lifelong, like, I don't know if you'd call it habit of mine or mm. just tendency. I don't know. But it's just like that drive for like perfection yeah. all the time. Like, you know how artists have sketchbooks and stuff? Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I didn't have a sketchbook. Right. I had an entire book. It was a, you know, I'd get these 100-page whatever drawing pads, mm -hmm. and you know what would be in there? 100 drawings. Yeah. Completed. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no no attempts along the way. No, yeah. exactly. It's like, you know how they, they have those step-by-step -step drawing books where it's yeah. like, first draw two circles like a snowman, uh -huh. and then you just connect them, you know, all the steps to make a bird or whatever. Yeah. I would just skip to the last page and be like, I'll just draw this. Yeah. Like, I've no always steps. been so bad at sketching. And even mm. when it comes time, like, when we're recording and stuff, it's like, oh, just make a demo. Just lay down something shitty. I can't. Yeah. I have to lay it down in a way that makes me listen to it, and I'm, like, inspired and pumped up. Yeah. But in reality, if I just set out to make the shitty demo, I could get it done so yeah, fast. Yeah, skip a bunch of the steps yeah. of perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, too, when you're looking at a song or a piece of art, it's like, if the shitty version is okay... 
then great. When you yeah. polish it up, it's going to be fucking killer. Yeah. You really can polish a turd. Yeah, you really, really can. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for the tip. It really works. Awesome. I can confirm. Testimonial. Testimonial. Now you can all buy my system for three easy installments of $49.95. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, things like this. Hey, if you're having trouble write, writing, uh, write. Oh. Yeah. That is a solution. I I mean, if if you're having writer's block, just keep writing. Keep going. Just keep writing. It doesn't matter if it's about what you were writing before. Just write whatever comes to your head. Just do it. Sometimes that works. keep writing. And then you'll be like, oh man, why am I just writing over and over? I don't know what to write. I should probably think of something to write. And you kind of force yourself into a corner and it works. There you go. Mm. Well, Steve, enough about me. God damn, here I am hogging the fucking spotlight. Hey, I get it. Like some kind of beautiful, gorgeous tan man. I yeah. got all my hair all done with those braids and stuff, too, while I was at the beach. That's true. It was I really do like fun. That you did that. Uh huh. I have uh-huh. shells in my hair right now. Yep. The audience can't hear them, but here they are. They're clicking together. Mm-hmm. Those are uh, the shells in my hair. I like that you put the Playboy Bunny tattoo on your tummy so you'd have yeah, a exactly. little. Yeah, exactly. The reverse yeah. tan kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I look hot as hell. I know. <laughs> What about you, Steve? What have you been doing this week? You been up to anything good while I've been um, down at the beach? Well, I was uh, I was sick when we recorded. Sick, dude. <laughs> I, was, I was sick, bro. <laughs> when we recorded uh, Alien, uh, and I was sick for a little while after. Oh, man. I actually ended up being sick for a total of nine days. It was just um, that, that kind of chest thing. Yeah. Right? I think like 75% of people in Tennessee have had this like yeah. this summer and it sucks balls. Mm-hmm. My wife also dealt with it uh, around the time that I was done. So <laughs> that sucked for Trading us. Trading off. Yeah. We're doing the thing that, that I was going through where it's like it's hard to sleep because yes. you just cough all yes. night. Yeah. So I was exhausted the whole time. Uh, um, and I also couldn't work out because I was sick. So I wasn't getting like that energy infusion working out yeah and yeah like i ended up just watching a bunch of stuff and sleeping a whole lot and getting the bare minimum done every day right it on. sucked but it it got me through it well apparently bodies whenever they're sick need to like be still it's and the worst right yeah they're so demanding i don't know why we can't multitask. i was probably sick for longer because i did try to force myself to do a lot of work yeah, and shit. Yeah. Why can't I why can't I work and rest at the same time? <laughs> Intelligent design, my ass. Right? My ass. Um but I, I ended up watching a whole bunch of stuff. My wife and I watched the Haunting of Hill House series on Netflix, which we have already done we did a mini yeah, we did on a mini so on that thing. How is it the second time second around? Time. I liked it better the second time. Yeah? I thought it was better the second time around. You know um, I didn't love it. I Yeah, I know you didn't love it. I liked it okay. Second time around, I'd say it's pretty good. Hmm. It's pretty good, pretty well written, and I'm interested in what they're going to do with the second season because they're, they're doing doing it. a second season? Yeah, but it's 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 a they're do, it's an anthology series like American Horror Story. Oh, okay. Uh we all my wife and I also recognize just how similar the first season of Haunting of Hill House is to the first season of American Horror Story. Mm, okay. So, you might be, maybe drawing a little inspiration off of an already successful horror anthology series. All right, but, all right. But, I, yeah, I just, I, I really appreciated the characterization. The acting was never in question for me. It, yeah, I, it's very I, good. I said it was great. The children are not great all the time, but, I mean, the older ones are, but the little two little kids their line delivery would be off a little sometimes Mm-mm. but apparently they nailed that that one episode that was like 
five total takes. Oh, yeah, the yeah, really the, long takes episode. Yeah. yeah, apparently the kids nailed that. Wow. Like, the adults had more trouble with their lines than the kids, so maybe they're better than I thought. Well, I do look forward to watching a second season and just seeing what all it's yeah. about and seeing what they can do with this kind They're of They're bringing format. in a lot of the same actors. It's the same thing they did with American Horror Story. Oh. They'll be playing different characters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it still going to be like about a house? I assume it's still going to be about, yeah, a haunted house or something like that. Right Maybe on. even the same house. It's possible. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll give it a try whenever it does come out, man. Oh, yeah. real quick. Did you see the trailer for The Lighthouse? No, I haven't watched that no yet. No way, really? I, yeah, I, I, I wanted to watch it, but it, it also is one of those things where I just kind of want to go in there not knowing at all what I'm about to get into. It's what, what what happened with The Witch for me, where uh, it was yeah, just like, yeah. I hear it's good. I don't want to know anything about it. I watched it, and I'm just like blown away by everything that's happening. Oh, man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I've it's seen one of those some, things. some pictures. Yeah. It looks awesome. If you did decide to watch the trailer, you still will not have any idea of what it's oh, about. Okay. <laughs> I have no fucking clue Great. what's going on with it, but I am so stoked. Willem Dafoe yeah. sounds like a grizzled old pirate and just looks like shit. And also in this movie, he does And that. also in the movie, he looks great. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for it. Okay, so after you watch Haunting of Hill House, oh, what yeah. else do you catch? Um, I've been watching, uh, or re-watching, rather, Penn and Teller's Bullshit. I've seen a few of these. When yeah. did that series come out? It's been a minute. Uh, it started in, I believe, 2002 three or so wow that old yeah and God went damn. to about 2010 i watched some of it whenever it was first on it was a showtime show and uh when i when i got back from russia my mom inexplicably had showtime hmm. and i think i caught it one of my first nights back and i was like oh this is a pretty cool show so i would i would watch it whenever it came on and going back and watching it i real i know why i liked it because i like informative shows like i love mythbusters i love adam ruins everything like yeah. i like shows that try to really break down a concept to its core and show you the the truth yeah like this is why you suck a guitar uh, yeah exactly, exactly like that <laughs> yeah Penn and Teller's bullshit is still good. You just have to go into it knowing that they are libertarians and they are presenting a libertarian view and have admitted to having a libertarian bias on the show. So that that was an issue for me is if if you know going into it that they're going to have a libertarian bias, how much truth are they actually giving? Mm. And that's by no mean like a knock on libertarians in oh, no. particular. I mean, oh, you could I've say the, the same past thing. That I, that any bias, I only source. really respect progressives and libertarians because they both believe in people. Libertarians, or at least the ones that believe in true libertarianism, believe in people. They believe that people do the right thing, and they don't have to be told, and they don't need to be coddled by a government. I'm getting more and more fun of cats and dogs these days. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kitties and puppies. I like them better. Yeah, I respect them too. <laughs> so they're a little bit biased when you on the rewatch on this, right? Um, yeah. On some issues. Okay. On some issues. But I think a lot of times what they do is instead of trying to focus on the, the full issue, they focus on the element where their libertarian view actually does kind of help comprehend what's going on. Like mm -hmm. the war on drugs, Penn Jillette, he is absolutely avowed straight edger. He has yeah. never done any drugs, never drank any alcohol. Whoa. But he is, he is absolutely for the legalization of all drugs. Wow. Because there's, for him, his viewpoint in the show is it costs me tax dollars for no reason. And people are dying for no reason. Mm -hmm. And so it's immoral. Basically, the government is taking money from you 
and killing people with it. Well. And if you disagree with that, you don't get a choice in the matter. When you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, when you put it that way, mm-hmm. I, I can't really argue with that. So, yeah, I mean, my view would be drugs should be legal because there's no fucking reason why they should be illegal. Like, yeah, they kill people, but so does alcohol and it's legal. Like, I get that heroin could become an addiction, but we can regulate it. We can make it safer. We yeah. can make it so that people aren't out on the street doing it. I mean, we're already seeing in a lot of bigger cities and stuff, these like shoot up stations yes. and stuff. And which, they do which, tend to help lower crime. Which I know is one of those things that like, I know a lot of people have this knee jerk, like, well, what the fuck? You're just encouraging people to do it. No, you're encouraging Not them really. to do it safely. Yeah, They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I have friends that live in, in, like Philadelphia has a gigantic heroin problem. Yeah. Like huge. And I hear people talking about how it's like they have warnings to not wear fucking open-toed shoes on the streets because there's heroin needles yeah. everywhere. <laughs> that I I lived in uh, Chelyabinsk, Russia, and they they have a huge. They're on the border of Kazakhstan. Oh yeah, and a, a, lot a of ton of, of heroin comes through Jesus. there, and yeah, we'd just be walking in the park and there'd be piles of needles. I mean, good God, dude. Yeah, I would I would rather some of my money go to people having a safe place to shoot up and dispose of their needles and use clean needles and shit. Yeah. Rather than leaving that shit on the street, using dirty needles, mm. and then getting sicker, and then that yeah. becomes more of a burden on taxpayers. Way more of a burden. I mean, whatever. You yeah, know? I'm, would I rather them not be on heroin? Sure. Well, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather all people not have to deal with addiction. Yeah, <laughs> but that'd be great. I also, I'm I also not, know that's not gonna happen. I'm not their nanny. Like, I'm yeah. not here to take make sure everybody does the exact right thing all the time mm-hmm. i just think and and this is this is a, a, an area where i can agree with libertarians i think that you get a better result out of people by trusting them to make the right decision right where it falls down for me is when a libertarian says there shouldn't be regulations on industry because they've proven time and time again they cannot be trusted oh to they'll do. make the decision that makes them money yes. that's all yeah. that they'll do yeah corporations we, don't deserve no, the apply. same liberties that humans do i don't think yeah individual humans can't do nearly as much environmental damage yeah. as an entire exxon or mm. you know and they that. also taught me some interesting stuff about recycling oh man <laughs> which and i'll say this straight ahead if you're gonna recycle go ahead and do it if it makes you feel better that's great there are only a few products that can be effectively recycled without expending more energy than well, it would take to make a new product. That sucks. So you're you're not saving the planet by uh, recycling plastics. And in fact, plastics should just be completely done away with because there's no effective way to recycle them without expending more energy than it would take to just make new plastic. And, and it's something that my wife kind of got me started on really, but now it's just kind of become like a running mm-hmm. ta- like side task in the back of my head all yeah. the time. But just trying to not use as many single-use right. plastics as humanly yeah. possible. Take take your own bags. Take to like gro- dude, it's yeah. not that hard. It really isn't. It's not that hard yeah. dude, to bring your own well, bags I mean, to the grocery store. In LA, you can't get bags like plastic bags at the store you know even out at the coast uh we were in you know in south carolina like the food lion and stuff out there yeah no plastic bags Uh none of the restaurants had plastic straws yeah pretty impressive it's really not a big deal it's not a big deal why does everything have to be a a time to stake your flag as a republican and die on that jesus christ dude like why Oh, you can't use single point use plastics anymore. I really love sucking through a straw. How about quit being a fucking baby and bring a glass to your face, you stupid yeah. fuck? 
I know a ton of Southern men who won't use a straw because they think it's girly. It's a sissy stick. That's, I know. Yes, but they will then defend single-use plastics just so they can piss off the lip libs. Yeah, it's stupid. Oh my god, dude! I know. Like, I, I've seen so much shit. Such of like, an I'm bringing these plastic straws on my flight to California just to piss them off. You're not gonna piss anybody off. Nobody's gonna be mad at you if they see you using a single use like that in in LA never happened. Yeah. No one ever walked up before Man, the band and said, you. I can't believe you're using that single use plastic <laughs> you're straw. You're an animal. Yeah. You're a monster. Yeah. It was a choice made by people through a vote that they thought was the right choice to make, and I agree with them. Right. So stupid, man. So fucking stupid. Yeah, it's real dumb. Drives me crazy. So, yeah, I've just been trying to eliminate as much single-use plastic shit in my life. Yeah, because it's can. just... It's not that hard. It's just, not. Just try making a change. It's not. Now, you said that you thought that there were maybe some... Maybe slightly chauvinistic views towards women on the show, right? I, well, it's not... No, I don't... Okay. I don't think that Pendulet has... Um, it looks at women any differently, mm-hmm. but he looks at them extremely sexually. Okay. And I don't know how negative that is all the time, but sometimes it sounded dismissive. Sometimes okay. it sounded dismissive in a way that was particularly aimed at sex. Well, and I, I'm, but the thing is, they're very dismissive of everybody on the well, show. Well, there's that, there's that too. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they did have like a bunch of naked people on the show all the time, but they would have men and women. So like, I don't know how negative it is. I just felt a little gross sometimes when he would be talking about a woman. I would just be like, that's I'm mm, not cool with that. Well, here's the thing, though, Steve. You got to consider the source. And this isn't going to be a popular topic, <laughs> but it's something that should be addressed. That you're not it? hearing Let's in hear the media this. at all. Uh-huh. I think that magicians themselves yeah. are an inherently extremely sexist group. How so? Think about what they're doing to women all the time. Right, what's that? They're bringing women on stage. What do they do with them? They cut them in half. (laughs) How is that not sexist? That's true. Uh I mean, I believe that is absolute misogyny, I would guess. Well, think about this (laughs) two-step quote trick for our amusement. Yeah. Let's bring a woman on stage. Let's put her in a box. What? Oh, wow. That's not not bad enough, huh? Well, guess what? Now, I'm going to make her vanish. Fucking shit. And then the crowd's going to go wild and applaud me, the man. Except her husband who's out there like, oh, now my wife is vanished. (laughs) I'm a widower. Great. I'm a widower. (laughs) (laughs) She's banished to the nether zone. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that I don't think that we've really talked about quite enough, but I think that there is just something inherently sexist about being a a magician. I think that we should bring in a a new magician for the new age. Right. Where he's going to bring, he's going to bring a woman on stage that's already cut in half. And then put her together. (laughs) Put her back together. Is anyone in the audience cut in half? (laughs) Two women? Got it. Let's bring you guys up someone and the guy nearby goes, she's a plant. (laughs) She was cut in half when she got here. (laughs) But then I think there would also be other tricks, too, where maybe, I mean, maybe he has an empty box and Mm. he summons a woman to it to have an intelligent conversation. Maybe. Or maybe he makes himself disappear. Yeah. And he's like, you take over. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> You've been promoted. I've been the center of attention for long enough. Let's let you take the reins, miss. And then it's just some lady from Orlando standing on the stage like, oh, um, oh, boy. Oh, I can fold a paper crane. Hold on. I've got this. Uh, but yeah, actually, uh, I, I, I still would say watch watch the show. Just okay. know that uh, there is a bias in the show. I mean, that's true also of say Mythbusters like Mythbusters uh, they did an episode on lie detectors and basically they avoided showing you how to beat a lie detector Mm -hmm. like they would avoid doing because they worked so much with law enforcement they didn't want to do anything to piss them off so they would avoid showing the ways that you could actually beat these things Uh, and Penn and Teller's uh, bullshit. They did one on lie detectors, and they showed you how you could beat it. Wow! <laughs> so I like, I like, I respect that. The, the key is you have to believe in what you're saying, right? It's not so much that it's truth or false, but it's like if you believe what you're telling those things. Basically, like you, what sociopaths do. Basically, basically, you have to beat the machine. Yeah. Uh, and th- the most effective way to do that is to clench your anus before you give a truthful answer. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yours? Yeah. Not, not no one else's. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't grab the guy who's performing the <laughs> test and clench his anus. But it, may, it, makes, it makes your truthful answers and your false answers look the same. And they can't really? tell the difference. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Basically, the only way to beat that then is for them to pester you and try to catch you at a time where you can't clench your anus fast enough. <laughs> it's bull- but they are bullshit. They're absolutely bullshit. Don't right on, ever man. submit to a lie detector test if you're being accused of a crime because they can make it say whatever they want it to say. We had ourselves a big old dead and lovely uh, hangout Friday, didn't we? I was doing a big old family hang and stuff like that. You guys yeah. did a stream. Yeah, we had the uh, streaming chat. We've actually had two since the last time we recorded. Oh, shit. Okay. And... Uh, here's here's the absolute oh, yeah. truth about these streaming chats is I rarely can remember what the second movie is. <laughs> You're getting fucked up. Um, most recently we did, uh, a couple weeks ago, we did uh, <laughs> Poultry Geist, which Poultry is a, Geist. a trauma movie. Sounds that, great. Uh, I wouldn't say great. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's what you would expect out of a lot of trauma movies. Trauma Some trauma movie movies are, are better and maybe more endearing than this one some of them have some charm yeah this one definitely just just offensive and uh then it's also a musical and the people can't really sing that sounds great (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one wasn't too great but before that what did we watch humanoids from the deep or is that this most recent week we watched humanoids from the deep okay i know that happened we also watched uh did you guys do spookies we did spookies and that oh movie God. is bad i have only heard tell of its legendary badness it's and some of the bad. stories of like the, the, the whole making of that movie was just a fucking fiasco oh, okay i didn't look into it at all I was don't just... it have some zombies what be farting yeah farting zombies farting that zombies. was the best part that was the best part of the night probably because we followed uh, or we preceded spookies with Ari Aster's The Strange Things About the Johnsons. Oh, I still haven't watched this yet, but you told me it Boy, was just... Brutal. Really uncomfortable. Really, really uncomfortable and I, hard to watch. That's what I have heard. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a tough 35 minutes. Some taboo <laughs> subjects. Yeah, afoot. very taboo and not... Uh, it's it's hard to watch. Well directed, well acted. 
<laughs> I mean, Ari Aster, he obviously yeah. knows what he's doing. It's just... But not what we'd call a good time. Not a great time, man. But it's always a good time yeah, doing those, these group streams. Oh, yeah. Those streaming chats are fucking awesome. Everybody has a great time. <laughs> and, uh, I think we all end up at about the same place by the end of the second Groovy. movie. Where one of these just days, like, I need huh. to like not be playing a show or something on one of these nights. So That's lame. I can participate. That, yeah. that must be fun. Yeah, it is pretty rare. All right. I think that you also, while you were prepping to to, to check out Bone Tomahawk, uh-huh. didn't you watch some other shit from uh, the director? Yeah, I, w- I was going to watch all the movies he directed. I just didn't have all the time. He's not done that many. He hasn't. He's he's directed three movies, so I've seen two of them. I watched Brawl and Subblock 99, which had been recommended in the past by people on the uh, Facebook page. I've heard that. It's awesome. Is it horror or is it like no, an action it's, movie? No, uh, it's a... It's, uh, like a prison revenge movie. Okay, cool. Starring Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter. And a few other people you recognize. Udo Kier. Oh, wow. Probably yeah. seen him in a few things. Yeah, yeah. He's, but a, he's a fucking maniac. He is. Oh, and Don Johnson also. Don Johnson. Playing a great role. Interesting. It's brutally violent. I would believe it coming off of this movie. Yeah, and it's really. You don't root for anybody too much. Vince Vaughn is like he's not exactly likable, but he's he's really good at what he does. So it's it's kind of like in some ways like a western where you you have the hero of the story may not be such a great guy, mm-hmm. but he at least is the one you're rooting for. Right on. Yeah, that sounds uh, interesting. It was man, it's brutal. It's, cool. It's worth a watch for sure. And you also watched uh, another one that he <laughs> I, did. I watched one that he wrote. Uh, he didn't direct this, but he wrote Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. The Littlest Reich. It yeah. sounds so cute. <laughs> I, I'll say this. Uh, I've only seen the first Puppet Master. Don't love it. The movies are all ridiculous. But this one was at least well written. I think it was well written. It's just... How do you make it good? Yeah, it's I just, don't know it's just how stupid. you do. Yeah, Tom like, Lennon uh, from Reno Nine One One stars in it. You might Tom Lennon Reno Nine One One short shorts. Oh, short shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Here's the thing: is like I saw where a lot of people got really pissed about it, and were like, "It's so dumb," and it's Nazi puppets and all They're this stuff. They're all dumb. But that's that's like what I'm getting at. Like, have you ever met anybody who's like, man, Puppet Master's my number one. <laughs> Fucking love Puppet Master. Oh, Puppet Master, and then it's Critters, bro. Love them. The best series. <laughs> Easily the best. Like, is it really worth getting upset over when the whole thing has kind of been shitty? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think, as someone who didn't know all the other movies, and there were definitely references to past movies, um, it was still watchable. Okay. And there were some great deaths. A man, while taking a piss, gets decapitated, and his head falls into the toilet, and he pisses on his own face before his body collapses. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. That's entertainment. And an unborn fetus gets murdered. Now, uh, Steve, you say, you're, you're pro-abortion. That sounds like abortion. I do believe that if someone gets an involuntary abortion, that's a murder. <laughs> <laughs> involuntary yeah. abortion. That's a murder. <laughs> that's very metal. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it is. It's it's a brutal fucking scene, but it's also kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I've got to check that stuff out, and hopefully now that I'm back from my vacation, I can get back in my yeah. watching habits. There's a lot of new stuff that's out. Uh-huh. I'm dying to watch uh, The Boys. The Boys, I was going to say. Yeah, that's one I've been wanting to, to get into. I've heard 
endlessly that it's amazing. I've yeah. not talked to anybody that didn't love it. Yeah. And there's been a lot of chatter on our uh, our Facebook page and stuff. A lot of chatter it. on the boards. A lot of chatter on the boards, man. So I definitely need to check that stuff out. I've also seen that there's been a lot of chatter about some new people that are supporting us on Patreon. Whoa, whoa, what whoa. The what? We That's got some right. shout outs. Yes, we do indeed. You guys are so just goddamn fantastic. Us. Thank you for giving us your hard earned dollar papers to say thanks for the enjoyment that you get from our hundreds of weekly shows that we have put up for our own amusement. But also, it's for you, baby. It's all for you, baby. It's all for you, Damien. It's all for you, Mike Kleeman. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mike Kleeman, thank you for your dollars. What about Matthew Roar? Matthew Roar? Roar. Dude, if he doesn't have a, a t-shirt that says, hear me roar, <laughs> I'm disappointed. Uh, maybe you heard of a Dakota Rolf. Oh, a little Dakota Rolf. Uh huh. Oh, oh boy, is that a North Dakota Rolf or a South Dakota Rolf? Hope he has a rival, South Dakota Rolf. South Dakota Rolf. I hate that guy. Uh, we got Charles. Just Charles. Just Charles. Single name Charles. <laughs> the original Charles. Right now, somebody's driving around listening to this with their girlfriend, and he was like, "That's me. I'm Charles." <laughs> also, I hope he has a T-shirt that says. I'm, I'm Charles. Charles. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, what was her name in Sleepaway Camp? The Judy shirt. Oh, right. Just says it just says Judy. her name on it. <laughs> right. Okay. I want more stuff that has my name on it. Just so people know. Yeah. Don't wear that. It's, <laughs> it's mine. My shirt. Shout out to Whitley. Whitley. Yeah. Thank you so much, Whitley. And I hope that's uh, country superstar Keith Whitley. It's not. Are you sure? I'm pretty positive she follows us on Instagram. Okay. Well, yeah. that's not the same at all. <laughs> all right, then. Moving on. And finally, the most beloved of all of our patrons. Oh, hang on now. Hang on. Oh, I won't hear none of this. Well, you when you hear the name, you're going to turn that around. Jessica Pettit. What? You talking about my sister-in-law? That's the one? You're talking about my loathsome, <laughs> Your loathsome. evil, insidious, <laughs> oh, little, little known blonde for sister-in-law. Her evilness. <laughs> Ew. Everybody hates Jesse. That's true. That's we true. We all know it. Oh, man. Anybody's like, oh, I don't want to see that Jesse out and about. Yeah, she's nobody so, ever says she's that. She's so mean. She harshes my mellow. <laughs> That's what she does immediately. They say. They we say that about Jesse. her all the time. But we Thank know she's, your money she's just trying to buy our affections. We know that you are. Is that what is up? I'm pretty sure. Is that what is up, I said? (laughs) (laughs) What is up? I am not a cyborg. (laughs) So thank you guys all so much for contributing to that Patreon. Big or small, we like them all. Thanks for the (laughs) donations. You guys are the best. Now, Steve, the subject of our podcast today is one Brone Tramahack. That's the one? Brone Tramahack. And this movie is a western. A western. And I'm going to tell you this, Steve. I don't know jack shit. Oh, yeah? About Westerns. You don't know jack. So, as we step on into the preview palace. Welcome to the preview palace. Well, I just goddamn don't know what I'm going to do because I'm completely unfamiliar with the subject of Westerns, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Look over there in your corner, though. Somebody's reaching out for a tag. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm down. I'm down on my energy levels. I'm low. I'm just crawling She came running the mat. from the back. Who is it? It's time to tag in. Why, it's that number one companion of mine. It's an amateur expert on this topic, and she's also 
way prettier than me. I'm reaching out to my tag team partner. Oh, it's Kate. It's Kate. Hi. Mm, that's a deep, sultry voice. <laughs> She's a bass. Hi. Hi. Well, welcome to the show once again, my dear. I, you, you've truly come to me in my time of need because I am ignorant in the ways of the Western, and you that's and ignorant. Steve are just going to talk about some of your favorites, and I'm going to chime in every now and then just to say, yeah, that one. Hype man. Woo. It's true. Your big disappointment in that you don't like Westerns. It's my least favorite thing about myself. That and my unenthusiasm tacos. for tacos. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Steve, when you're, you're thinking about some of your favorite westerns, yeah. what's one that comes to mind for Juke? Well, I would say th- this movie is is one of my favorites of all time, uh, for particular reasons we'll get into uh, during the episode, but one that I go to all the time and really got me into westerns was Tombstone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I love yeah. Tombstone. Mm-hmm. That's one that I can say I know... And I love it. I love it. Stars one Kurt Russell, who's in Bone Tomahawk. Love Kurt Russell. He's so great. We got Val Kilmer. Probably his best performance. Oh, easy. Yeah, yeah love Val Kilmer. Mm. Who's your Huckleberry? It's him. <laughs> it's him. It's that guy. Uh, yeah, just a bunch of great performances. And it's a long movie, but all Westerns do hit that about two and a half to three hour mark, it G- seems. Gotta be a haul. Yeah. The Western really wants you to feel like you're going across the country, too, or something, yeah. That's one of those ones that I think part of the reason why I do like that movie so much, even though I don't really like Westerns very much in particular, is, I mean, it's all these actors that I know, the audio and visual quality is fantastic. Like, Mm. a lot of those, like, 70s Westerns just have bullshit audio that just sounds awful, and it's a bunch of people I don't know. Yeah. So, I think that it's one of those things. Like Clint Eastwood. Who's this guy? (laughs) But, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's like the same reason I like Demu Borgir, but I hate other black metal stuff. Yeah. It's because the production is great. Oh, okay. I think I'm just shallow like that. What about you, Kate? What are you into? All right. My number one, which I know objectively is not a great movie. Okay. But it is my personal favorite. Let's hear it. Cat Baloo. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. It's the best. Okay. Why do you love Cat Baloo so much? Because Jane Fonda is amazing. Okay, yeah. Jane Fonda is a traitor. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Ben. No, no, no. Not this again. Not in this house. We love Jane Fonda. Yeah. This is one of those movies that you will have on frequently while like I'm gone somewhere and I come home and it'll be on and I'm like, I know she's not going to stop this movie because I'm home. <laughs> it's very bad. Have you ever seen it, Steve? Uh, I saw it, yeah, as a younger man. I've seen so many with my grandfather that uh, Cat Blue was one he liked a lot, though. It's wonderful. My yeah. grandparents are the ones who introduced it to me. I mm-hmm. would go over to Nana and Gramps' yeah. house on the farm, climb their shelves, yeah. pull out the VHS the tape, Blue. put it in, watch Cat Blue. It was a great time. Yeah. Don't that have a feller what has a metal nose in it? It does. <laughs> it's great. Didn't That's Cat. Goofy. Didn't they do that again in Wild Wild West? The, or was it? Yes, yeah. with the big spider. Yeah, that, okay. That, the Will Smith one. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> they, they did touch on that. They did. <laughs> Steve, educate me in the ways of the Western. 
Well, uh, I'm going to avoid talking about horror westerns because we'll talk about that in, in the show. But there, there are some good ones. But we've had recently two great movies from Quentin Tarantino. They were both westerns. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, my favorite of those two is Hateful Eight. Mine too. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Hateful Eight is awesome. It's yeah. kind of like if the thing was a western. Yeah. Uh, now, Django is a western for sure, but it, it it breaks some of the tropes as it ends in the southeast, which is an, it, it, normally in a western... You Got do me not over move, the Mississippi. Yeah, you're not yeah. moving west to east. You're moving east to west always. So, But Hateful Eight, it's just pure western awesomeness. Kurt Russell again. Once again with the Russ. You can't lose to that it's guy. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. Kurt Russell, Samuel L. Jackson, awesome. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bruce Shit. The guy who played the older Bruce guy. Shit. Bruce, Bruce Shit. Bruce Shit, he's Stern. called. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Stern, who plays the old racist. Like They all put in these great performances. Even Channing Tatum, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah. He is awesome. Great. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that one, too. That's a very slow burn. I know a lot of people didn't like how slow it was. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. just pure atmosphere. Yeah, it needs that. You like that, that guitar part. Uh, yeah. I did not like that. Whenever, do you know this whole story? Mm-mm. Whenever they like smashed that guitar. Oh, right. That was a like rare guitar. Yeah, right. I mean like priceless like fucking Smithsonian piece that was on loan from Martin yeah. Guitars. And then like Martin Guitars was so pissed. They're like, we're never loaning any pieces out to movies ever again. I get it. He thought it was a, a, a stand-in and he smashed the real thing. Damn. That's Whoopsie daisy. Kate. What's another one? I'm not going to talk about it because okay, it's, it's legit not that good. That's fine. Paint your wagon. <laughs> okay. But we're not going to talk about it because I recognize that's a bad one. I just really love it. <laughs> but I will say Blazing Saddles. Yes. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You can't avoid Blazing Saddles. It, uh, They'll never be able to make that movie right. again. No. What Blazing Saddles is is different than, say, Spaceballs. Blazing Saddles isn't a parody of a Western. It's a Western that's funny. Yeah, oh, like, totally. It's, it's it's got its own thing going. It's really interesting. It, it's a great movie. It's, and that it that one feels a little long, probably because it's yeah. a little slapsticky. Mm-hmm. And some of the jokes don't really yeah. still land today. The, you know, the thing about the humor in that movie is, and it's like we're saying, you, you, can't, you can't make that movie now. And I think that a lot of people that would watch it would probably think a lot of the jokes and stuff are probably racist. Mm-hmm. But... The thing about the way that Mel Brooks always handles racism is to make the people that are racist look fucking stupid. Yeah. It's never in any kind of way that is derogatory towards the people that are being racially slandered. It's to make the people that are the racist look as stupid as humanly possible. And at the time that he was doing that, you know, this was pre-90s irony. At the time he was doing it, he was making a strong statement about racism. That today we look at and we go like, well, that seems unacceptable, um, and that's not how we talk about race anymore. But at the time, was revolutionary, and he was trying something that I think was worthwhile. Enough of that bullshit. Here comes Mongo. (laughs) 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 Oh, I love Blazing Saddles. That that is again not a Western guy, but I love that movie. There's so many movies that I wanted to mention and maybe talk about but I, I think the one that is most recent but don't, not talked about enough I think is Assassination of Jesse yes! James by the power of Albert Ford that Fucking movie, love that movie not a lot of people watched it for some reason uh, don't know Brad why Pitt, 
Casey Affleck. There's a ton of people you would recognize in it. Zoe Deschanel. I don't believe she's in there. Yeah, she's at the very end of the movie for like two seconds. Is she? Really? Yeah. I didn't recognize her. I'll fact check that, but okay. I'm pretty fucking sure. I would put that in a similar category with more modern westerns that are much more artistic and less oh, about like... Oh, it is gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, The Revenant is amazing and certainly deserves yeah. awards, but, like, I think Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford needs some more attention, because that movie was awesome. I fully agree. That one's on my list. It yeah. was... That was the movie where I recognized that Brad Pitt was actually a pretty good actor. He's pretty great. And I was yeah. like, oh, we just ignore it because he's pretty. Yeah, he's good looking. He doesn't have to be. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna, I am going to go forward my cheesy western. Do it. Because they don't get enough appreciation. That's true. Uh, McClintock. Okay, McClintock, yeah. Ooh. You hate McClintock? Fuck you. Not good. It's great. That's a good one. That's, that's again, one of those ones that I just think of as being a part of like the most miserable Sunday afternoon imaginable. This wow. is boring, it's ugly, and I don't care about it. Maybe you don't like McClintock because you didn't watch all of these other like really right. great ones like True Grit and The Wild yeah. Bunch and Magnificent Seven because McClintock's kind of a parody western. Yeah. John Wayne's old, he's mm. retired, he's still angry. You've got Bunny, the <laughs> homeless guy who hangs out at the train station. Mm-hmm. You just don't love it, huh? So in other words, you're saying, it's not it, it's me. It's wow. definitely you. Definitely you. Ass! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of True Grit, both the original and the remake, Love amazing masterpieces of cinema. They're I both awesome. did not go see, I, I didn't see the second one in theaters because I was so worried. Yeah. Because I love the first one so oh, much. I, it original. was worth seeing in theaters for sure. It was beautiful. I But I, yeah, you go back and watch the original, still great. John yeah. Wayne was awesome in it, playing grizzled Rooster Cogburn. I mean, just just an awesome movie. I remember seeing the newer one and liking it. I don't mm. remember much about it, frankly. I made you watch it. You did like it. All right. <laughs> I do not know this man. I could not get you to watch the original. You were not interested. What's another? So it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh-huh. Yeah. The the whole fistful of dollars. Oh, yeah. All of Yeah. Those. All that. That series is great. And the Korean version, the good, the bad, and the weird. I haven't seen that. Oh my god. What? Please watch this. Okay. I have it on Blu-ray. It's the best. Is it? Okay, because I have seen that as well. I think it's Korean. No, I'm pretty sure it's Korean. Okay. Yeah. Is it the same story, basically, but told in a very nutty, crazy Korean style? Yeah. 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 It's it's exactly like they follow it, except it's it's like zany Korean version of a Western comedy. Mm. Okay. It's wonderful. When I think about more modern ones, uh, I'm always stuck in the 90s. Like, Young Guns. Yes, it's not the 90s. It's not modern anymore. Yeah, it's not modern. Yeah, I th- I try to think about like what's modern, and like my brain goes to 90s. I've never seen Young Guns. you never seen Young Guns? Young it's, Guns is so good. It's pretty great. The second one's not as great. but oh, no, it's bad. Uh, yeah, Emilio Estevez. Mm. Um, who else you got in there? There's a like lot of 10 actors. people yeah. in that movie. It's great. Lou Diamond Phillips is in it, for sure. Yeah, that, that's just... It was a real fun time, I remember watching that. My brother... This was this was after Tombstone, and I guess like I just started paying attention to the fact that my grandfather and my brother were watching westerns all the time, and then being like, well, I like Tombstone, so I'll try this. Young Guns got me. Yeah. Uh, 
What else was in the 90s? Uh, the Quick and the Dead. Quick and the Dead was great. Yeah, that was a fun one. That one, Legends of the Fall. Mm-hmm. Watched them constantly. Silverado. Silverado, yeah. The Jodie Foster version. Mm-hmm. Is Legends of the Fall a Western? Ooh, I mean, that's they're on the. Mm, yeah. Oh, well, time period's wrong. Yeah. It's industrial era. There can still be, you can still be a Western in the industrial era. We'll talk some about the, the different types of uh, Western genres, but basically Die Hard follows the, a Western yeah. genre of the the uh, lawman from the East coming into the West, hooking up with yeah. a local lawman and stopping a threat. And then leaving. So yeah, Legend of the Fall, maybe, maybe is a Western. Yeah. Plus, they're all so pretty. That's true. <laughs> Everybody's so pretty. Yeah. The ugliest person in that movie is Anthony Hopkins. Oh wow, that's not <laughs> that's too a bad. Good problem that's to have, too right shabby. there. I know. <laughs> the man who shot Liberty Valance is uh, Jimmy, yeah, Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yep. Jimmy Stewart. Um, oh, Liberty <laughs> Valance. I'm gonna shoot you. I'm the man who does that. It's phenomenal. That's uh-huh. one of my favorites. Unforgiven. Holy Unforgiven, shit. How did I yeah. not name Unforgiven? Yeah. That was a 90s 90s, one. yes. That's another that 90s was great. one I was thinking of. I think I've seen it. Which okay. one is it? You have not seen it. Ass. You would remember. Clint Eastwood basically trying to make up for all the wrongs he's done, but knowing he, he really can't. Just like any good Western, it's usually about it's a what person. Shane wanted to be. Right. <laughs> Shane the book is good. Fuck Shane. Shane, Shane the movie... <laughs> Not so great. But yeah, that that idea of uh, morality and trying to ride the line of uh, survival in this harsh environment, but also trying to be right and good. I think Unforgiven really approached that in an interesting way. I think that's about it. There's a couple that I've not seen that were... 2000s. What were those? Because somebody in my household doesn't want to watch Western, so I can never. (laughs) Emily hates them too. (laughs) Ballard of Buster Scruggs. Oh, God. Still not watch that that one. Awesome. That is so good. I love the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And it's one that is an anthology. So basically, it might cut out what you might hate a bit about the Western, is that sometimes they drag. For sure. They sometimes take a little long to get where they're going. And the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is short, quick tales. So they get where they're going. Worth a watch. And it has Tom Waits. Oh, and I'm on board. There you go. Check it out. And it's the Coen brothers. I got really excited when Ben was like, Westerns. I was like, yes, yeah, let's I'll make just name them Come all. on, let's yeah. go. Did you, ever, did you ever watch any Western shows? Because my grandfather used to watch, what is the, Bonanza? Bonanza. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That show is not great. I have been in the room Uh while Bonanza was on for probably like seven years of my life. Mm. Because between my grandfather... Mm. Just constantly watching it, I imagine. Yeah, Yeah. it was was either some version of a Western Uh (laughs) or Fox News. Oh, well, fuck that. At least my grandfather didn't do that. (laughs) And like their TV was just always on. Or Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith, man, I my grandfather loves so, Andy Griffith, and I can't disagree with him. That show was not every episode because back in the day you had to put out at least twenty to thirty episodes. Oh, yeah, you couldn't God. do great stories, but some of those stories were real good. I want to see a horror crossover that's Mandy Griffith, <laughs> or maybe in the town of Mayberry, a new cult shows up. They get everybody on acid and they sting them with those crazy wasps and I really stuff. I love that. That was yeah. awesome. Somebody get on that. Mandy Griffith. Trademark um, Dad and Lovely. Y'all ever see that Wild Wild West with Will Smith? Yes, he did. I oh, have. You know what? 
Speaking of Wild Wild West, though, they reminded me of another 90s movie I saw a lot. Maverick. Oh, God. Oh, how did yeah. I not name Maverick? Yeah. Well, M- Mel Gibson's in it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that movie. That's the Jodie Foster one. Yeah, Jodie Foster, Mel Silverado. Gibson. Yeah. I saw Maverick on my... When did that come out? Like, what year? Because I saw it on my birthday. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. So mid, early mid. I maybe saw it on, like, my ninth birthday or something like that. And I don't know why. It was either that or whatever Disney movie was out that was, like, The Lion King or oh, something. Okay. And I was like, that's not metal. I want to yeah. go I want to go watch Mel Gibson. Lion King's not cool. Mel Gibson is cool. Oh, <laughs> baby. Thoughts that didn't age well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for the extra input here, Miss Kate. Quite welcome. <laughs> you did a good job in informing me. I think I'm going to try to use the, the positive forward momentum I've got by loving this Bone Tomahawk movie yeah. so much. Just Paint to your wagon another. tomorrow night. Oh, no. I don't know about that. <laughs> go with something else. <laughs> let's let's lean into it. Let's lean into it. But, I mean, I really did like this. And like I said, a lot of these other movies I've really enjoyed. So maybe there are some Westerns out there for me and you guys have just spread your evil influence i can feel your evil inside of me dictating me to watch some more westerns round of applause yeah thank you kate much obliged miss kate good night good night good night yeah i sure am glad we had another set of set of ovaries in here to talk some good stuff about westerns. another set oh wait my dog your dog's in here yeah she's been fixed where my dog's at Because, you know, whenever we started talking about the topic of like, oh, we should talk about, you know, the best Westerns, I was like, that's great. I stay in hotels all the time. There's the best Western in Ohio I stayed at one time. That was great. I stayed in one in Savannah most recently. How's that? Um, lacking. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, There were, there was a bloody fingerprint and bloody (laughs) palm print on the door. Oh. So yeah, I was a little. I felt a that's little a, unsafe. That's a worst western. Yeah, but it turned out to be fine. There were just a ton of spring breakers there to go to the beach. So. Turns out there's a finger painting convention in town. Right, that's all yeah. it was. Well, I mean, it could, be, it could have been anything. Somebody maybe had a bloody nose. Yeah. Somebody maybe committed a murder. You never know. You never know. But you know, either way, I'll have a pull to it. All right. I can't believe we've gone this whole time without pulling on something, Steve. We've been so <laughs> well, wrapped up. I've been up pulling and, on something. Oh, but, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that what's under the table over here? Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. we just been so concerned with catching up and getting our groove back, just yeah. like Stella once did, that we've ignored. Man, Stella. We've been ignoring the fact that we have ourselves a mantra, Artisan Ales, Brewing Company's Saffron IPA India Pale Ale sitting right here in front of I us. I like everything you just said. I have never heard of mantra. Brewed as a Pacific Northwest IPA. Okay. The essence of saffron and cardamom flash in your mouth, followed by a very present and flavorful floral hop finish. They were going for the real India part of the India Pale Ale with I that guess saffron. so. And, and some cardamoms and in some there? some cardamom, yeah. Oh boy. I look forward to checking this out. That sounds like an alluring yeah. combination. You know, I will tell you one thing about being out there at the beach, man. Uh-huh. Most all of those restaurants have complete horseshit beer selections. They need to get yeah. with the game, South Carolina. Like, you yeah. go out there and it's like the most exotic thing you can find is like fucking Blue Moon or like Goose Island. Where were you at? Like Hilton Head or... We were at Garden City. Garden City, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of... To me, all those areas, it's like, it's yeah. Myrtle Beach, really. Right, yeah. But there's kind of like... Myrtle Beach is for like 20 and under and then the yeah. other ones are for 20 and over. Myrtle Beach, 
beach, you can, you got two choices: Bud Light or Miller Light. And like, and you're talking about which beach towel are you going? to Yeah, get? exactly. <laughs> well, you got three choices: Corona, because there's also Rebel Flag. Oh yeah, or Rebel Flag. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, uh, in the, the Charleston area, you'll get some some better beers. Yeah, for sure. Charleston's a great area. Charleston is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that place. Love the dance this is too. Nice Big fan. And, uh, cloudy. This looks this hazy. looks like some dirty dishwater. It sure do. Looks like some dang old dishwater. Oh, it smells, smells good. great. Yeah. It's extremely, extremely uh, mm. floral on the yeah. nose. I'm going to have to taste this. A pungent aroma. And you can smell already the cardamom and stuff. I wonder how that's going to pair with a, a hoppy IPA. What's that do for you? Dude, that's great. Yeah? That's for so you? good. It's oh, got dude. All sorts of flavors, too. Oh, dude. Wow. That mm-hmm. is truly unique and fantastic. Yeah. I was that's seriously very drinkable. I was reaching a point earlier today where I was like, I'm almost IPA'd out. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, so many of these that I've had are all just kind of starting to taste the same to me. Yeah. This does not no, taste not the same. It's it's a little like piney, a little resiny, but there's m- way more flavor going on in the it's back like end, a, especially. A, a chai spice mm-hmm. kind of flavor on yeah. top of a really funky IPA. IPA yeah. It's pretty dry, too. It's not terribly sweet. Uh, it said it had a, an IBU of, I think, like 55 oh, or something okay. like that. 7.2 percenter. Yeah. That's goddamn fantastic. Yeah, it is. Wow. One of our listeners, Lamar Ortiz, he stopped in Knoxville yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago, and he, he he gave us a bunch of beers, and I stupidly forgot to bring them. But What a stupid idiot. I know. <laughs> but in the next few weeks, we'll be trying some of those beers that Lamar brought us, because he brought us some stuff from New Jersey. And some stuff from Austin, where he's from. So Awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait to check that out. He's from Austin, huh? Yeah. I wonder if he knows our man Dave Bechet. Yeah, they should hook up. Maybe they get Lamar, together Dave, and watch meet. some movies. They, they listen to the podcast and hold hands together sometimes. I did send him to go see RDM in Nashville, and he went and saw him. Now we're talking. Yeah. Dude, this whole thing is just coming full circle. We're all friends. Dude, we should start a cult. Let's do it. That'd be so sick. Guys, let's... You ready? Let's cult it up. Well, you know, the thing is, is he gave us these awesome hockey... Uh, uh, yeah, we're wearing it right hockey now because we wore them for a video we just made. We're just wearing these sweet uh, Texas ball hockey jerseys he brought. Uh, apparently, uh-huh. he's involved with the league and just wanted to bring us some shirts. They're awesome, man. It's not a cult without a uniform. That's this true. might be the uniform. This might be it. It's extremely comfortable <laughs> and it looks great. It really is. And, and you have never worn a jersey before. I have never worn so a this jersey. This is your first experience. I am yeah. loving it, yeah. as they say. Now you get why people are always wearing jerseys. I'm starting to get why people play sports if you play sports just you get to so wear you can these wear all the time uh-huh. <laughs> are you kidding that's worth all the thousands of hours of practice yeah <laughs> not really <laughs> so thanks to lamar and thanks to this beer for being awesome like these kinds of flavors yeah. with the cardamom and stuff i would typically associate more with a belgian or a whip beer yes yeah and you, that's usually where you will see cardamom for sure yeah and knowing that those two kinds of things tend to get pretty sweet pretty fast mm-hmm. I wouldn't imagine that working with an IPA at all. This is seriously it's fucking so good. divine. If you yeah. guys can find this and you want a unique IPA experience, get your pull. Where is Mantra? I don't know. Based. I didn't see it anywhere on there. Yeah, Surely it's on there somewhere. Well, I would whoever, love to. Whoever out there be making this Mantra. Make some more for us. Oh, Franklin, Tennessee. <laughs> oh, no shit. Wow. So nearby. Yeah. Franklin is the rich part of Nashville. Yeah. That's yeah, a little, little bit south of Nashville. Nice area. My my brother-in-law and his family live there. Oh, you don't yeah. say. Uh, well, have them bring some of this shit down next time they're in There you go. Because it's fucking great. All right. The subject of our show today is going to be one 
Boner Tomahawk. Boner Tomahawk. Which came out in a 20 and 15. Yeah, 2015. October of 2015. Perfect time. Right in time for a Halloween. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see during Halloween? A Western. A Western. Um, now, this movie, dude, had come heavily, heavily recommended. Yes. A lot of people had told us, like, please do this on the show. And I and I had seen it, and I also recommended it to us as well. Because yeah. it, it was one that immediately I was like, I love this movie. When did you see it the first time? Oh, gosh. Um, I it, If somebody has recently listened to our back catalog, you'll probably know exactly which episode when I said <laughs> I just watched Bone Tomahawk. Somebody let us know when yeah. Steve watched the movie. But it's within the past two years since we've been making okay, the podcast. So that, that so. narrows it down yeah. a little bit. Okay. And yeah. you, you saw it for the first time and you're like, this is the shit. Yeah, because I, I, um, I was at a point where I was looking for horror movies that hadn't seen that people were talking up. Yeah. And just seeing the cast list for Bone Tomahawk, I was like, well, that has I, I want to see, yeah. Kurt Russell, first off, yeah, already interested. If Kurt Russell is in a western, I'm, I'm gonna board. watch it, right? And if it's a western horror, which we'll talk about where this fits on that spectrum, but a western horror, I'm, I'm down. So, yeah, I just watched it as soon as, as soon as possible, and was blown away by it immediately. I just, I just watched it the first time, uh, well, fucking last night, yeah. Uh, for the show, we just got back from the beach, and I was like, "Okay, time to sit down and watch this movie." I'd been looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really like read anything about yeah. it. I watched the trailer for it because it turns out Kate's dad is a gigantic fan of westerns, uh-huh. and we were talking about it at some point. He's like, "Oh yeah, I've seen it." He's like, "It's really good. It's really, really brutal." Yeah, but it's really good. He doesn't really like horror movies at all. Yeah. So you know? and and this this movie is a pure western until the very end almost yeah. I mean, other than being introduced to the horror in the cold open we don't get to see it again until, until a long yeah. time yeah so knowing that kate's dad liked it i was like okay so it's probably pretty western mm-hmm. and he pulled up a trailer for it and we watched the trailer the trailer sucks oh okay. it's a shitty shitty yeah. trailer for this movie. i don't know how you could what would you what scenes would you pick from to sort of get the exposition because this movie yeah. does such a great job at not doing exposition. Such a great job. Like, we know everything we know about the characters from their actions. We're never, never get yeah. like two characters being like, he's so hard headed or he's so loyal. Like, yeah, you, or any never crappy flashbacks. That. Yeah, or you like just that. see the action and you, you pick up how each character is. So I don't know what you would pick out of that to yeah. make a trailer. Honestly, you would just have to do a uh, an artsy, maybe even like the more dramatic side of the Coen Brothers style right. trailer for this. Because mm-hmm. the, the trailer tried to make it look like it was framing it as like an action Western. Oh, that's and a not, bad way yeah, to frame it. Yeah, so I watched <laughs> the trailer and I was like, this can't be that good. This yeah. looks pretty crap, actually. But going into the movie... You know, I was super stoked about it because I couldn't really think of anything that was a true horror western that I had seen. Right. But knowing that it just had that genre tag attached to it of being horror, whenever the movie started and we've got this this stuff going on, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, David Arquette and Sid Haig, yeah. and of course Sid Haig, a horror icon. Yeah. Awesome. They slipped David in Arquette here. as well. Oh David yeah, Arquette's that's true. A ton of horror. Fucking movies. scream, yeah. dude. Tons yeah. of stuff. You know, I started the movie and. There's that little opening scene where they're kind of these like carpetbaggers that mm-hmm. cut dudes' throats and stuff, yeah, yeah. and then they get attacked by this mysterious presence on like, in the middle of yeah. this pet cemetery style graveyard. We see it, but only from a distance. Yeah, basically from the POV of of David Arquette. But we we see that it's huge and brutal. Right. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's brutal when he cuts that guy's throat. Uh-huh. It's, it's pretty gory and pretty nasty. And, again, you got this spooky burial ground thing. Mm-hmm. I spent the next, you know, hour or so of the movie thinking, like, maybe it's ghosts. Maybe there's that cursed burial ground. Like, uh-huh. I kept waiting for a, right. let's say, supernatural element right. to come into play. But... The funny thing is, is like, you know how sometimes when you watch a movie and you have a certain expectation for it mm-hmm. and the movie isn't what you thought it was and you just spend the whole movie going, well, when is this going to start? When is this going to start? Right. It's very distracting and you end up not enjoying the movie because of it. Yeah. This movie, I went into it going, okay, when's the horror? When's the supernatural? When's there's ghosts or zombies right. or whatever? But then I found myself just instantly getting distracted and pulled into, well, I don't care. It'll happen when it happens. Yeah. This is just a very cool fucking movie yes it is you know even it's though it's great. not covered in horror tropes or anything like that oh, for no. the majority of the movie i find myself just instantly getting sucked in being like these characters are awesome this movie is gorgeous yeah and then when the stuff hits the fan later on it's, it's like shocking yeah. yes because <laughs> by then you'd kind of forgotten oh uh-huh. yeah that's right i am watching something that's under the horror right. horror uh genre yeah. tag and yeah, like just comparing this to other Western horror movies, uh, like Near Dark, which or, we love, which we absolutely love, and Near Dark has Western elements. Yeah, it's a modern a Western. horror movie for sure. Same with From Dust Till Dawn, we just talked about. From Dust Till Dawn, it definitely hits Western tropes and hits horror tropes, but it seems almost even more like a modern more Tarantino Rodriguez movie than than a western. Mm-hmm. I would say the only other horror movie horror western that I can think of that that really hits a lot of the western tropes is Ravenous with Guy Pierce from 1999. I have heard so many times that that movie is the shit and I didn't know that it was a western. Yeah, it's it fits more into that, you know, uh going over the the Rockies type of western um or soldiers in the Rockies specifically. Okay. Um but it, you know, think of things like the the Donner Party and stuff like Ooh. that. Like when you think of those tales, it doesn't immediately scream to you western because of the snow, but Still Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, same with Hateful Eight. You yeah, know, Hateful Eight. Eight covered in the snow, snow too. Yeah. yeah, I really need to watch Ravenous. I've yeah, heard that Ravenous that's is good. And, awesome. and that's that's one that has been recommended so many times. So we'll we'll get to it. We both are interested. I've seen it and really enjoyed it. Well, part of the reason that I was so drawn into this movie from the get-go, even though it wasn't tickling my horror uh, yeah. fancies... Is because the cast is so goddamn yeah. good. Let's talk about them. We oh got, my of God. course, Kurt Russell. We've let everyone know that we're madly in love with Kurt Russell. Obviously. Every time we cover a movie like, with dude, him in it. You know, there's that thing that, that people say where they're like, if I meet somebody that doesn't like dogs, I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. But listen, I think the true litmus test is if you meet somebody that doesn't like Kurt Russell, you can't trust that yeah, person. Yeah, you can't trust because like you can't trust why? Him. How? How do you not? Like the man has been in so much stuff. You can't tell me. You, you, there's no way you can tell me at least one of those things. Yeah. You don't go, man, Kurt Russell. I really there's like There's a Kurt him. Russell movie, I think, for everybody. Sure. You know, there definitely is like whatever kind of movie it is that you yeah. want to see. He's probably been in it, and you probably fucking loved him. You, you think you don't like any Kurt Russell movies? Fox and the Hound. Boom. Oh Mike shit! Drop. God damn, he is in yeah. that, isn't he? That's right. You don't like you don't like Kurt Russell movies? Forrest Gump. He played Elvis uncredited. Bullshit. Yeah. What? Dude, uncredited. 
big ass star, and he was like, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, that's but, so fucking cool. And he man. played Elvis in that biopic, which was like that wasn't. I mean, that was the John Carpenter directed Elvis yeah, biopic I need with to Kurt see Russell. That I shit. need to watch this. Yeah. And Kurt Russell had been in stuff forever up to that point but i think that was like his star moment where he really got recognized and i think maybe yeah. when they were doing forrest gump he was like i'd kind of like to just i had be that elvis costume in for a second yeah. yeah well why wouldn't you it'd be fun if you can be elvis yeah. you should probably be him and he yeah. plays sheriff hunt who yeah. is he's not like a grizzled jaded no piece of shit or anything like that he's sharp he's seen some shit he doesn't react he act you don't get much out of him very he cool sees headed. what's going on and he makes some decisions. Yeah, you kind of get the impression that like he's sort of seen pretty much everything yeah. already. I mean, yeah. whenever he's talking to David Arquette in the bar and he's like, "If you move, I will shoot you." Yeah, and then he starts to resist and just immediately caps him in the yeah. in the leg. It's like gotta, he's done this a million you times. You gotta understand, like the 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 running joke about him shooting people in the leg being a hobby. Like, yeah, <laughs> shooting someone in the leg that is the most difficult shot to make. It's a very narrow it's, target. It's very narrow, and you're probably shooting them in the leg because they're running. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's true. And he's able to do it. So what that what that running joke is telling us is that he's a sharpshooter. I love he, to he that. can fucking hit it if he tries. After after he shoots David Arquette in the leg, and they send Matthew Fox is that yeah, name? Matthew Fox. They send him out to get a doctor, and uh, Sam answers the door. And she's like, can I help you or whatever? And uh-huh. he's like, you know, I'll, you know, uh, the sheriff needs a bullet removed. And she's like, from the leg. And he's yeah. like, from the leg yeah. again. It's like, this is just routine. He's routine. He can he can do it every single time. And that's how he does it. He doesn't try to kill people. He tries to stop them from running. Yeah. He's, he's a, a man of justice. He's also a man who's dedicated to his wife. We see that actually yeah. with our three main characters other than Matthew Fox, the, the fourth main they're all dedicated to their wives and that's mm-hmm. how we know they're good men which is also and we'll talk about women's roles and stuff more as we go into this movie but i thought that was kind of a cool aspect to add yeah. in i mean considering a lot of westerns like the women are just you know floozies and prostitutes and stuff right. a lot of the times and in this of course samantha she's very much capable and speaks her mind extremely and stuff, which yeah. is actually more accurate to the west women were much not I think not, everybody had to be hard ass, dude. Yeah, I was gonna, gonna I was about to say women were freer. They weren't freer, but they were they were freer with their mouths and their thoughts. Mm. They were able to say and, and because like on a wagon train or in this new ranch you're trying to establish or whatever, somebody could die at a moment and you still need another person to step up. If there's a woman there, she's stepping up to do it. Like, yeah. it's not going to be this, well, no, Missy, we'll go get a man to do that oh, work. I'm feeling the vapors yeah. upon me. Bring out the smelling salts. Yeah. You get a lot of that in the 30s and 50, through the 50s westerns. I think around the, the 70s, they started revolutionizing and saying, like, well, like, Native Americans weren't always the bad guy, and it wasn't always this, like, very obvious who the bad guy is, and you start to get more into the... What I think Western is brilliant about Westerns is two shades of gray against each other. Where yeah. you're like, and that villain, I kind of get what he's up to. Yeah. Like, I kind of get him. I kind of understand what he's like in Tombstone, for instance. Yeah, those villains, are, they're villains, they're assholes. But also, like, they're trying to protect each other. 
So there's like some understanding as to why they're doing what they're doing mm-hmm. rather than just being savages or outlaws. Well, and the guy in the movie that I think plays that moral ambiguity so well mm-hmm. is fucking Matthew, Matthew Fox, Fox yeah. dude, as a brooder. Yeah, brooder. He's 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 playing the dandy character kind of. Dude, I love the the term dandy. Yeah, dandy. I love uh, it so much. It amuses me yeah. and I don't really know why. Yeah, he's kind of the the travel uh-huh. affluent. We know at least he's been to Germany. Yeah, he, he seems wealthy and he mm-hmm. seems like he has an education and stuff. Yeah. But he is also a fucking badass. He's a pure badass. He wears the white hat, which in the traditional uh, Western sense means he's he's the good guy. Right. But well, he's also wear, rides a white horse like yeah. death. That's yes. what my wife told me. She knows about Westerns and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, he's, he's riding the pale horse, just like uh, Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He is a, a play with those tropes where he is the dandy, but he's, he's really good with a gun. But he's not after a particular woman. He's sort of riding a line of the idea of the Western chivalry that you sort of see in a lot of Westerns, where he speaks his mind and says some things that are uh, controversial and sometimes mean, basically. And and sometimes pretty racist. Yeah. Well, he hates Native Americans because they killed his his mom and his, his sister. Yeah. When he was little. And he, he, I guess, by the end of this, has killed 117 Native Americans, and he's, he's proud of it, and some of them were women and children. He trained his horse to be racist. <laughs> his horse? It's true. I mean, that's just <laughs> fucking crazy. Well, well basically, well, no. I mean, because we'll talk about what was going on there. We'll be talking a bit about race, too, but he, he says that she's loyal, not that... He does say something racist. Yeah, he's like, she's too smart to let a greasy Mexican yeah. ride off with her. Or yeah, like he that. says something racist, but, you know, he, he's saying, no, that she's loyal to him. She wouldn't go with anybody, but he still has to be racist because yeah. that's his character. He rides the line. We can root for him, but also dislike him. But then that's the thing is, you know, he has that moment where he just pretty unprovoked just shoots those two dudes that creep up on him in the middle yeah, of the night. He's, and and especially Chicory is like super pissed. Yeah, he's he like, is. you shouldn't have killed those people. And, and he's like, they were they were part of a riding party that was going to come and ambush us and take our shit. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then he turns out to be right. He was. Yeah, he was absolutely right. But like he could have been wrong. Yeah. And that's the thing that the sheriff says, basically, is that, like, I don't know how that would have went when later Arthur is, you know, real pissed at him because he, he's saying you can't go along with us. He, he says about that moment, I don't know how that would have went. And he's right. Like, maybe he doesn't kill those two and they're not involved in that raiding party that comes later and everything would have been better off. But probably not. Yeah. They were probably exactly what he said, scouts for a raiding party, because they got raided after that. Yeah. I love his manner of, of speaking yeah. in this movie. He's, yeah, he's a little more eloquent, a little bit smarter. But yeah. like that's the thing, though, is that when you listen to the sheriff, he's just as smart, but he doesn't show it. Like, he doesn't... He, he doesn't uses, use the flower language. Yeah, he doesn't use... He doesn't need that to feel comfortable with himself, whereas... Uh, Bruder does. And right. I mean, the name, I mean, we got, uh, you, you said, what was his name? Sheriff Hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hunt. Uh, and he hunts, obviously, he's hunting the outlaws. Bruder's Bruder. very brooding. Yeah, he's, all, he's <laughs> always got, he's sitting on, like, every time they camp, he's off away from them by himself, away from the fire, brooding. 
thinking. He's got so much on his mind, and that's what attracts us to him. That he not only is this cold-blooded killer, but he thinks about it, so we know he's not that. We know that he probably does feel bad about having to kill uh, women and, and children, but he also accepts it about himself. Dude, that that scene where it's one of their first nights camping and he's laying on his little uh, uh, blanket over there by himself and he's reading a book and then within like half a second is sitting up and shooting while still holding his book. It hits the target. Is Dude, it's yeah. so fucking badass. Yeah. And he's got that thing where he's talking about like he sets up that line of like bells around the perimeter and he's like, if you hear a noise, shoot, but I'll probably already have hit them before you right. do. But you should go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> and that's, that's where Chickory has to be like, you got to respect the law. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he, he knows exactly what they need to do. He's the most capable man in the group for this particular situation. Yeah. So it's lucky he's with them. Yeah, definitely. And his, his manner of speaking stuff just really reminds me uh-huh. a lot of like Val Kilmer in Tombstone. Yes. Doc Holliday, he was an educated yeah. man. He spoke other languages and things like that. He read a lot and also was a cowboy. <laughs> like, yeah. That was a truth in the Wild West. It wasn't just what you see in a lot of Westerns where it's just raucous and wild and one man comes in and tames it or whatever. Mm-hmm. The true Old West was full of different types of people and they were intelligent people who were out there doing things that you don't expect intelligent people to be doing but they were trying to make their way i mean that's one of the beautiful things about westerns is that it's it's people trying to make their way against all odds yeah and and he's figured out a way to do that i think we've talked about patrick wilson before when we talked about the conjuring Mm -hmm. patrick wilson's awesome we'll talk about him again too because he's uh, he's in a lot of stuff he's in so much stuff because he's amazing he's fantastic in this he is fantastic and his his story is kind of the apex of what makes the story move essentially because it's his wife that gets Mm -hmm. kidnapped by these uh troglodytes we come to find out Mm -hmm. and so even though he's wounded and he's fallen off of this roof and yeah, he, has he went busted up to leg. do some roofing despite his wife telling him not to because he's hard headed. We learn that about him again without anybody ever having to say it. Yeah, we just, just see him stuff. in the situations. The first thing we hear about him is that he broke his leg because he refused to listen to his wife about working on the roof in the rain. Which goes to that thing where you could tell that, and we, we've talked about this with other movies that are very successful with the show don't tell yeah. mindset. It means that the guy that was making this movie had an idea of how intelligent his audience is and is like, they'll figure out that he's hard-headed if I show him this shit. Yeah. If you just have a little faith in the audience, Uh you know, just to understand things about these characters by things that you're showing them. Yeah. I'll talk more about S. Craig Zoller in a little bit, but I will say that it's what you're saying right now is very interesting in relation to the fact that before he started writing movies he wrote novels oh and he's got he's got five rather successful novels two of which are going to be turned into movies soon so oh snap for a novel writer who needs to write as much as they can but also needs to obey the show don't tell it's amazing that he could adapt from writing in novels to writing screenplays so effectively yeah because no that this screenplay yeah i don't think I don't think we get much exposition ever. No, not really at all. Yeah, we no. just we see the story develop and then it ha- like they go off to try to fix the situation. Yeah. 
And Patrick Wilson in this is, like you said, just a very determined guy. I mean, he yeah. knows that he's going on this expedition in God knows what to fight monsters who have kidnapped his, his, his wife. Yeah. And even though he's walking on a crutch, he's like, well, I'm going. I mean, that, that scene whenever Kurt Russell comes to tell him the news that his wife's been kidnapped. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to meet over at the saloon to talk about what to and do. And he starts walking to the saloon. Yeah. Leaves <laughs> his door open, leaves his shoes behind. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Like, Kurt Russell just kind of stands there because, again, he's very level-headed. Yep. And he, like, calmly goes and closes the door. Grabs his collects shoes. Collects his shoes. Yeah. Follows him over there. I think he does, uh, Patrick, that is, does an awesome job yeah. in this movie. I can't really, I can't really fault anybody's acting no. really no. In, in any of this, dude. No. Especially not the fucking jewel of the movie, yeah. Richard fucking Jenkins. He's so good in it. I mean, he's oh so my good. God. And we'll talk about Richard Jenkins definitely again in the future because he's in other horror movies, specifically Cabin, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Um, but he is so good in this. He's amazing. He I mean, plays, he is he is like, and not to say that the other people in the movie aren't to this level, but he is like a Coen Brothers character that snuck into this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's great. He he's his outlook on the world is completely optimistic. He respects people, but he also he places the law above everything. He's got this great true optimism to him. And so he may respect Mr. Bruder, but when Mr. Bruder starts talking negative about the law, he's got to step in and say, no, yeah, you can't do that because the law is the law. Like he's, he's very straightforward, but he also just has this sort of whimsical quality to him. Where oh, like, you know, he gets he's the, so lovable. The, the story, flea circus the flea circus thing, story, yeah. just like. That's so wacky, but it's also so perfect in that moment. Yeah, it is. And those kinds of character dynamics, I think, are what makes this movie so fucking good. It's the same thing that makes The Big Lebowski good, where when you Mm -hmm. watch The Big Lebowski and it's like you have, you know, you you have all these different kind of philosophies, so to speak, interacting with each other that are so drastically different. This movie is kind of the same deal, where it's like Chicory is definitely the optimist, Bruder is the guy that's pretty negative yeah he's the I pessimist would say. The he's pessimist. cynical about the world for sure yeah exactly and just seeing those two characters especially interact I, I I love and it would have been so easy for Chicory to come across as just the lame cheap bumbling do 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 yeah comic like relief the, the guy. dumb deputy but he's yeah. not he, he's the one who catches the the David Arquette we find out his name is Purvis That's Purvis right. yeah. yeah that Purvis was uh, he changed into some clothes and buried some stuff outside of town. Right. Like, he he was sharp. He was on it, even though he's older. So, with him catching that, that really initiates almost all the action. Right. Because most likely David Arquette's character would have moved on from the town. Yeah, he's just a, a drifter. Yeah. Right. And they, they would have pursued him instead of coming to the town and then taking everybody they saw. One of the things that I love about the movie especially is the relationship that chicory and hunt have yeah. together because even though chicory is older than hunt they totally have this thing where like chicory idolizes hunt like yes. hunt is his he fucking does. hero yeah and it reminds me so much of like a little brother and a big brother where uh-huh. it's like my big brother could kick anybody's butt yeah he's the smartest uh-huh. like he is constantly butting heads with bruder to be like you're not the smartest one here. Hunt's smarter than you. He is just all about him in this adorable puppy dog kind yeah. of way. But but it never comes across as like 
pathetic or stupid. No, I think he's seen he's seen this. He's sheriff a good man. To be a good man, yeah. He he knows it to be true, and he knows he's consistent. And that's the most true thing about the sheriff is consistency. He does not sway in anything. Like, no, he's very he, black and white. He's black and white. He's very uh, he's respectful of all people. Uh, unless they cross the law, in which case he then is uh, a hard ass, yeah, and a badass, and one you don't want to cross. And Chicory gives so much great comedic dialogue. There are so many amazing lines in this. Oh like, my I, god, I, dude. I, it's so quotable. It's so fucking quotable. Yeah, I love that scene where it's one of the first scenes we see with him. He walks in on on Kurt Russell in his like in his little you know cabin there and he walks in and he's like boy that tea smells yeah. gruesome I, he's I like it's that. soup <laughs> yeah it's soup oh boy that smells good now that i know it's not tea <laughs> it's not tea it tastes like corn it's corn chowder <laughs> oh things are lining up that's what he says <laughs> i love it oh my god dude he is so fucking good uh, in this. And, and like his mannerisms are so good too. Like it's not just that they wrote him funny lines and he said them and that's why mm. they're funny. Like no, he, he really embodies rhythms. this character. Yeah. And he's he's acting I think older than he really is. Yes, I mean, he's he not did. a young yeah. guy. He's but not a young guy. He was more than like 51 I believe it when I looked it up, but like he He's playing older. You see him in other stuff, he looks a lot younger than he does in yeah. this. Yeah. Oh man, he just killed it. And if you're if you don't know who Richard Jenkins is, you have seen him in like 100 things. Oh yeah, you look him up, look at his IMDb. First off, it's like over 100 titles I believe. Wow. Like, uh, yeah, the guy has been in so much stuff. Yeah, and he's consistently awesome. And those are kind of our main four hombres we spend most of the movie with. But like you said, we've also got David Arquette in here, mm-hmm. who's looking grizzled and rough. He, he does a good job because he's not playing a like way over the top, turned yeah. up to eleven David Arquette character. Yeah. He's pretty subtle. He's pretty good. And that the the thing that's interesting about that is you see Sid Haig and you see David Arquette in the cold open. You assume, oh, okay, so one of these guys is our protagonist or our antagonist. Nope. The antagonist we do get introduced to in the cold open is the the troglodyte that yeah. kills Sid Haig. And David Arquette's gone by the time they get to the cave later. Like he's not even a main character. But his performance is great. Like he's yeah. he's barely in it, but he's like the catalyst for the action. Sid Haig wasn't in the movie much, but yeah, he says he a was, lot. Though. He was entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Yeah, all that stuff. Like whenever they're setting up those shots of them killing those people, mm-hmm. and he's like, "There's what's he say? There's, There's 16, sixteen major, major arteries yeah, in the neck. In the neck. You sixteen cut major all. veins and arteries in the neck." I had acquaintance with a man <laughs> he had more blood in him than usual he's like they all got the same amount yeah. or whatever he says it's very like tarantino dialogue mm, yeah to me yeah i agree like just picking up with this scene where you're like what the fuck's going on and then uh-huh. it's just characters talking to each other uh-huh. that's Mostly tarantino yeah. you know like that's something that you and see in reservoir dogs out of the ordinary happens yeah yeah sid Haig isn't in it much and you know one thing that's kind of funny is uh, whenever I was watching the movie, I was like, man, are the costumes in this like really shitty? Because <laughs> when it starts, like Sid Haig is wearing this coat that's like way too big for him. Like, yeah. no, his clothes fit. Yeah. And because, because he stole all those clothes. Exactly. From people yeah. he murdered. Yeah. It was one of those things that initially I was like, oh man, they didn't even fit his clothes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that they weren't supposed to, dummy. Right. But again, that's one of those things where... If you have faith in your audience, they figure it out. And yep. guess what? I was homeschooled and I figured it out. Yeah. 
They, yeah, they no, nobody at any point says those clothes are too big on you. Like, and he says <laughs> they are. That's stolen. because I stole them. Yeah, like you just have to gather infer from the little it. bits of information and infer some stuff. Yeah. Now this movie also has, in addition to Sid Haig. A bunch of other little parts by people that oh you didn't gosh. know were in this movie. Like, I had no clue while I was watching it until after the movie. I went and checked out, like, the IMDb and shit. Uh-huh. And I realized this movie is covered mm-hmm. in little bit parts yeah. by gigantic people from some of my favorite fucking movies. Sean Young from Blade Runner and tons of other stuff. Yeah, dude. Um, She had a, a little comeback in around 2015. She was in a movie called Jug Face, which I love. Oh, you've talked about that. Yeah. She's in that. She's in that. I uh, had no she's idea. She's also in a movie called Darling, which I love. She appears in this so briefly. She's the mayor's wife. The mayor's wife, who y- you learn so much in that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, basically... Nobody respects the mayor. She's running the city because the sheriff doesn't talk to the mayor. He talks to her. Yeah, dude. He never turns to him for a second. I love it. It's amazing. And and even she's like, if you're speaking to the mayor, you'll address the mayor. And he continues talking to her. Because he knows she's the one who makes the decision. The mayor, by the way, was uh, uh, Corey Feldman's frog brother. In Alan Frog uh-huh. and the Lost Boys, or, or Lost Boys. Sorry, yeah. What the hell? Like, I had no clue that that was him. Yeah. Piano player. That is the principal from Back to the Future. That blew my mind. I yeah. had no fucking clue. What's the name? Like Frank uh, James Tolkien or something. Yeah, like James that. Tolkien. We got them. Then we have Michael Pare, who has been in a ton of stuff. He's just the guy who comes in and starts talking about his horses. And uh, and the sheriff says, "Man, I love this line." Ask about horses again. I'll slap you red. I'll slap you red. Yeah. And then also the professor in this is played by Zahn McLaren, who is also in Fargo season two, which one of the best seasons of TV also oh has um, Patrick Wilson in it. He is also in some other stuff you may have seen most recently. Crap. He was in something recently. Yeah. And you'd all go, I know that thing. I, Westworld thing I season know. two. That was oh, it. Oh, okay. There he it is. Westworld season two. He's great. Awesome guy. He's been around since the nineties. I wish awesome he was performer. in this more. Like whenever yes. they introduced him at the saloon, I was, yeah. thinking, I was thinking like he would go out and, you know, play the role of the guy that knows the mm. lands and, and helps track where they're going. But and no, like he's that. not interested in yeah, all he's that. Like, I'm not he knows going out where there. they're going. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't want to die. I'm not yeah. going out there. He was so good. Fargo season two is amazing, and he's one of the best parts of it. But man, I uh, still need to watch that fucking Fargo. It's so good. I've heard that it's so fucking amazing, man. Uh, yeah. That, so there's all these great names because essentially, what? Let's just get into production for a second. Okay. Now, I, before I do that, Steve, we gonna break open another. I, bar? I'm sorry. I just have to whet a my, beer. I have to whet my whistle a little bit before I get into these production things. I yeah. gotta produce a beer and a glass. Oh, that's what damn. I need to do. And you know what we're going to have right here, Steve? Tell me all about it. We're going to have a little beer from Trim Tab Brewing in Alabama. Trim Tab, baby. Trim Tab makes amazing shit. Yeah, they I'm really so do. I'm so excited to try this. This is their Citra Singularity. Okay. It so is a... Only uh, Citra hops, I assume? Hazy double IPA. Yeah, it's a single hop IPA as far as I know. Wow. Eight percenter. Oh. I'm stoked because their other stuff that we've had on the show has been amazing. They do great, great versions of, honestly, pretty much everything. I've had oh, some yeah, of their sours and stuff. Them. All their IPAs are amazing. Their stouts. We had that... What was that one? That maple donut... Oh, yeah, the donut one. 
Oh, that God. was amazing. It tasted like a maple donut and coffee it and was beer. Amazing. Yeah. God, it was so was good. Maybe a month ago we had that. That was so Now we did it on the mother episode. Oh, That's wow. A so like a few months. Yeah. I'm excited to try this out here. It should be pretty amazing. It looks like a glass of pineapple juice, as a lot of my favorite IPAs tend to do. Oh, yeah. Quite cloudy and nasty looking. We got some in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some floating bits. Ooh, a delicious aroma yeah, wafts off the top of this. Very citrusy. I can already tell you this is something that I'm going to yeah, love just by it smelling out. it. It kind of smells like some of the stuff from like Burial over in Asheville, which is so good. What's that do for you? Does it do work? Whoa. Does that cut mud? It do work, for <laughs> sure. Th- that is different than I expected. Oh, wow. Yeah. It gets fruit punchy instead of citrusy after Ooh. a bit. Man, that is good. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of like pininess this has is like very Christmas tree-ish yeah. in the best way possible. Yeah, and a pause. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's good. I know nobody's wanted to bite into a Christmas tree. But oh, I have. This, well, all right. <laughs> the lights, the smells, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is really fantastic. It is like a wow. resiny, pineapple-y, yeah. funky. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that... Um, what was that tropical flare IPA we had? I can't remember who made that. It, that's been a month or so yeah, ago. But it was that good. That stuff was good too. Mm-hmm. This kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. Damn it. That is fantastic. Yeah. If you guys can get Trim Tab wherever you may roam, you need to get you a pull of that right there. Wow. That's fantastic. I love it. Highly recommended. Okay. So this movie, written and directed and co scored by S. Craig Zoller. Quit being talented and doing everything, dude. So he's written five novels. Some of them have come out more recently, but his first one was, I believe, 2010. Included in those novels is Mean Business on North Garson Street, which is currently being made into a film or in pre-production. It's going to star Leonardo DiCaprio and Jamie Foxx. So pretty big deal. Some heavy hitters. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that tells you something, though. It's like... Bone Tomahawk is what his first movie, right? Mm-hmm. And he managed to wrangle in that level of caliber of stars. He wrote he wrote a movie in 2011. I can't remember what it was called, but it didn't do very well. But mm. he, he came back with this. But he also wrote a, a book called Wraiths of the Broken Land, which is being made into a film with Ridley Scott set to direct. Hmm. So, so it'll probably be disappointing. <laughs> well, it's written by Drew Goddard, who is who is gr- pretty great. I mean, check out his uh, IMDb. I think he's a good writer. I think okay. he generally nails it. So, if somebody else is writing it and Ridley's making it look pretty, I'm okay with there that. There we go. Yeah. I'm all right with it. So, this guy, he's he's at this point. He's at a, a precipice where he's going to become pretty big in Hollywood, especially if those two movies do well. Because uh, th- this movie didn't do amazing, but it, it, this movie was never meant to be a theatrical release. They re- released it in limited theater, but released it same day uh, to on-demand video. So, oh, really? Yeah, a lot of movies have started doing that, where it's just like they go into the theaters for the possibility of winning awards, but really they know what yeah, their money is going to come from rentals and from streams. You can't get a, an Oscar if you're streaming. Yeah. Right. Okay. So... He's done this. He's also done Brawl in Cell Block 99, which I talked about, and Dragged Across Concrete. All of them have been critically lauded, uh, but none of them have been huge releases. He's on the precipice, I think. Like, he's just at that level where he... I mean, he, he makes movies with big names. They all seem to like working with him. 
and people seem to love his movies. He's just that far away, basically, just right there from being big time Hollywood director. I think that basically, if he body slammed Andre at WrestleMania, yeah, that'd be it. He'd that'd break. put him over. Yeah, yeah he'd be over at yeah, that it'd point. Yeah, be fucking Zolomania. <laughs> <laughs> he also has some music going on on the side. He's got a couple metal bands called Hell Yeah. He's got a. Uh, uh, Charnel Valley, which I believe is black metal. Black metal. And Realm Builder, which is doom metal. So doom he metal. plays the drums and writes and, and does vocals. So Badass. The guy's all over the place. But essentially, he he sold this, got the, the budget, and knew what he wanted to do was a quick 21-day filming schedule. God to damn, fit that's the short. Budget. And bring in veterans to nail it. Man, sometimes I have to work up 21 days worth of prep before I grill a steak. <laughs> Much less you make a movie. Aging it? That's not really work. I'm doing research. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking okay. about it. I'm preparing. Oh, I'm strategizing. Gotcha. This guy went out and made Bone Tomahawk in yeah. 21 days. Great yeah. googly moogly. Where was this filmed? Uh, Malibu, California. The Paramount okay. Ranch. I imagine if you watch through some old westerns, you'll probably see the same sort of town set. Which is okay. on the Paramount Ranch. Yeah, because it had that like that thing where it never really told you where mm. it took place. Yeah. It never told you what year yeah. it was. We just know that it, the name is Bright Hope. We don't know where it is in relation no. to anything else. They never say yeah. what state it's in. Like yeah. As far as the timeline goes, they talk about how Chicory amputated a guy's yeah. leg in the war. Yeah, he fought in the Civil War, for but sure. But they don't say... Which side he fought for. Or when, or yeah. anything like that. Just looking at it, though, I was thinking it must have been somewhere in California, because it has that arid, dry thing going on, but there's also hills and rocks. And right stuff. So it's not Arizona, for example. Yeah. No, this is this is just uh, Southern California. A lot of westerns, like they did a whole lot in say New Mexico, Utah, etc. But when they were really churning out westerns, they were doing them in Southern California because okay. there there was you could drive to this place twenty miles outside of L.A. and boom, you're in the arid desert, and it looks like. You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere if you shoot this way, but if you shot the other way, everybody would see the Pacific Coast Highway and the ocean. But, like, mm. that means you can go back home. You can go, like, the actors can go to their house and stay instead of being out in the middle of Utah and, you know, having to stay out in the desert for a month to make a movie. And this, you know, you just go home at the end of the day. No big deal. Sounds all right to me. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of Westerns ended up being shot in California, and the more recent ones, I think, predominantly, it seems like. Anyway, so they shot in 21 days. Wow. The majority of the shooting, of course, is just going to involve four actors. Most of it is the Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, Matthew Fox, and, and Richard uh, Jenkins out in the middle of nowhere. The in-town stuff probably took them the first week and they spent the last two weeks on the rest of it because that in town stuff like you get sean young on set but you only need her for what five lines you know you're, right. you're paying a veteran actor to come in and nail it so that you can move on like if if she comes in says those five lines and a couple takes and nails it you just move on. You bring in a, a unknown actor that you, you're not positive can nail it. You might end up spending the whole day on these five lines, and that fucks up your 21 day shoot schedule. Yeah. So well, yeah, when you're working on the type of schedule, you have to have people on yeah. board. It's kind of like we were talking about with Alien, where it's like mm -hmm. you 
need people that know what they're doing in that yeah, situation. Because you're busy building sets. <laughs> you're not, yeah. yeah, you can't have people screwing up. Yeah. The idea that Craig Zoller, like, he he has so much going on in his past they brought to this and obviously seemed to know what he was doing immediately in getting into directing. I assume probably took a lot of good advice, but it, it's just an awesome premiere directorial debut like just amazing yeah for him to come out and do this mm-hmm. and the movie looks absolutely gorgeous yeah so well shot so perfectly like the thing i really enjoyed about it was the sound and that mostly the lack of sound dude a lot yes. of footfall and breathing i know and, man yeah. and there's even a comment where it's like yeah. chicory's talking so much and and uh dude kurt russell has so many good lines he's yeah. like can you not What's he say? He's like, can, can you not you close, close that, that aperture? aperture yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, I prefer it over the sound of men breathing and footsteps mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's like, well, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly that's what really all we're hearing. We're not hearing like a bunch of other like nature noises because they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's not yeah. a lot of nature. Dude, the lack of soundtrack in this movie is so fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's easy, especially as a as a lover of all things musical, mm-hmm. to think every moment needs to have soundtrack plastered over it to enhance the moment and all, all right. that. But with this movie, you realize, especially like during the really action packed moments, or when some shit just kind of unexpectedly happens, like whenever they yeah. first get like fired on with arrows by the the troglodytes, yeah, and it's out of nowhere, yes. And there's no soundtrack. It puts you in the moment so much more. Yeah, there's no escape. Yeah. If, yeah, because with soundtrack, it reminds you you're in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, if there's soundtrack there and it's like, you're like, oh, I'm watching, I'm watching a movie right now. The soundtrack is telling me this is the suspenseful part. Instead, you're watching the sounds of Kurt Russell choking and yeah. uh, a jawbone being put into his mouth. Holy like. shit. Oh, yeah. And like dirt rustling around and sticks mm-hmm. breaking and shit. It puts you in the moment with those characters when all hell breaks loose. Yeah. You know, it's so effective. But whenever there is soundtrack, it's very well used and yeah. doesn't really detract or distract. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for that very last song that plays during the credits. I didn't get to it. No way. Oh, yeah. I couldn't wait through the credits, man. Oh, There's like dude. seven minutes of credits. There's a lot of credits yeah. at the end of it. Dude, during the credits, you are treated to... At first, it just sounds like dramatic Western music. Mm-hmm. And then the vocals start. Oh, no. And it's this mega operatic... Four men set out on the plains. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Okay, it's like a that, story song. That's just the throwback to old westerns. Oh, yeah. dude, it's okay. like mega silly. Okay. Like as soon as the credits started rolling and that started happening, I was like, "What the fuck is this now?" And they walk across a desert together. I mean, seriously, it really is that. And fought troglodytes only with more bubble in the throat. <laughs> a it's so ridiculous. But yeah, I, I love what he did with the soundtrack in this. And like I said, the direction and cinematography are just gorgeous yeah. and put you right there in the moment. Speaking on another production front, what do you think about how the troglodytes look? I thought that the design of them was really fucking cool. Yeah. I thought that it was awesome. Just a utilization of bones, basically. Yeah. Like they they don't gather anything. They just hunt and eat and they use those bones as they use bones and leather to 
basically cover their dicks. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that's it. it. And they have no language. There's no name for the tribe because they have no yeah, language. They're just called, he calls them troglodytes because that, that means that's cave dweller. That's yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing is, okay. At first, whenever I was watching this movie and I was like, okay, it's 2015. You know, you can't really have natives portrayed as fucking Tonto anymore, right. for example. This is, yeah, this is one thing about this movie for sure is it tries to avoid the old pitfall of Native Americans versus white people. Natives as savages and so Right, on. but it tries to then also say like, okay, yeah, Native Americans are not that, but this whatever it is like i don't know if they are human or not right yeah they yeah. are that they are the bloodthirsty savage that primal kills brutally and all the negative stuff you've been told about native americans th- this is them like yeah they because are they're that. they're lesser evolved humans they're fucking cavemen it's like right. I said maybe they're not even humans at right. this point you well know? yeah i would say we gotta we gotta talk about their main difference between them and humans is that they have a thing in their throat. That yeah, I at first thought was an implant. I did too. Uh, but then watching it again, I noticed it's made of bone, white bone, meaning it grew in there and has not been exposed to sunlight. Oh, yeah. Huh. So they have a growth in their larynx. Yeah, because bone exposed actually, to sun yeah, turns more dark color. Right. It actually comes Shit. out with what looks like teeth. And whenever Patrick Wilson is like cutting it out of that dude's uh-huh. throat, like it's attached by tendons. Yeah, like, it's attached to tendons and veins and stuff. He's got to pull all that off. And we know about them. They're not scientifically advanced. So how would they do the implant without killing every single baby that they, they had? So uh, my assumption is that that is... An evolutionarily yeah. developed trait. So they're no longer human. That's the best way I can look at this as not racist. Now, it could be easily argued that a tribe that even the Native American character is disgusted by, that are even that have darker skin than anybody else that we see, unless that's paint. I'm assuming they're supposed to be like coal black like yeah i are. thought they yeah. were like painted yeah yeah to look at them and to compare them to natives i mean it seems like he's playing off of those old native american tropes but also he sidestepping make, it yeah he's also way. sidestepping it so like i'm not gonna jump in and defend him he you know he may have meant for it to be racist but i don't think so i, think, I don't think so either yeah but at the same time it's like i don't think he meant for it to be any kind of racist commentary right. on native americans but also at the same time, I don't think he was just doing the thing where you sidestep a racist trope in order to be woke. Right. No, he's not. He's. It is still light versus dark in a sense. Well, it, I just think that it, it makes it interesting. It does. That it is cowboys versus fucking cave people. Right. Like, that's just cool on its own. Right. It's not just like, oh, wow, that's really neat. He managed to tell this story without being racist towards Native Americans. Right. It's like... No, that's actually just a cool premise. It that is. Out here on these uncharted lands. Is there, there all are the way out west in America. Creatures. Yeah, exactly, yeah. man. Yeah, it's like because that was the great unknown. You yeah. know, they were traveling further and further west for Manifest Destiny, which is mentioned in the movie. Yeah. And they had no idea what was out there. Maybe it's fucking inhuman 
cavemen, troglodytes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, to me, that's that's a cool way to not only, again, sidestep making Native Americans look uh, savage right. or shitty, it's also just a cool thing to add into a Western. And the the one Native American we do see the is professor. called the professor. Yeah, he, literally the opposite yeah. of Tonto, which means idiot. Right. So he's educated. They're, he's the one they go to for information, not just because he's Native, but because he knows about all of the area. Yeah. And and he he's able to give them the information, but also he he tries to make a very clear delineation. They're not us. Like they're mm-hmm. not Native Americans. There's something different. Yeah. They're they're the product he, he says uh they're a spoiled bloodline of cannibals who rape and eat their own mothers. Yikes. Um and we do see the two females that are there Ooh, man. are they have they've cut off their arms and legs Ugh. and blinded them with spikes and basically just keep them pregnant. Yeah. Which Ooh, man, that is gruesome. To make that up. to to make it so that our heroes have women who are outspoken and our villains have women who are trapped in the home legless and and pregnant. That does seem to make a statement about what's good and what's bad. Okay, that that's interesting that you brought that up and I'm glad that you did because to me one of the cool things about this being cowboys versus cavemen uh-huh. instead of cowboys and Indians mm-hmm. that I think was is really cool and really interesting is that you know, th- this whole movie, like, while I'm watching this and I'm seeing how shitty it is to live in the Old West, and everybody seems so hard, and everybody seems so cruel, and so, like, mm-hmm. I mean, Bruder doesn't even hesitate to fucking kill people. No, no, It's like, they might harm me, mm-hmm. so I'm going to kill them. Even mm-hmm. Hunt, who is very rational and lawful, he immediately is pulling a gun on those people as soon as they come up. Yeah. Tells them to light a match so you can see their face. It's like... Uh-huh. You watch, you're watching this and you're like, man, things were so hard. Things were so cruel. Things were so rough. And then they come face to face with what we used to be as cavemen. Right. And These it's like... very real savages. Yeah. They have no way of communicating other than screaming at each other. Yeah, screeching and eating people mm-hmm. and living in, in caves. Yeah. And it makes you go, well, at least we've moved on a little. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like as savage and as cruel as things used to be, yeah. they're still better than they used to used to be. Right. <laughs> I it's think always, that's something they're trying to say. It's always scary to me when you have those politicians that like Ted Cruz, for instance, is <laughs> a real big fan of the Wild West. Okay. And you think about, have you ever seen any of Deadwood I've seen just like an episode right. or two. It's I love Deadwood. Yeah. It is rough. It is very rough. Ted Cruz does seem to me like he would fit in Deadwood as the <laughs> weaselly politician. <laughs> that should be like the warning sign. Who never gets his own hands dirty. But yeah. that's like when Ted Cruz imagines himself in the Wild West, that's not how he imagines himself. But that's who he'd be. When you're thinking about the person who you're about to vote for, you should just ask yourself, would they make sense as a politician on Deadwood? If uh, the answer is yes, consider other options. Yeah, for sure. If they're Al Swearingen, <laughs> fucking don't vote for it. What though? We do have a current Al Swearingen, so <laughs> I don't Woo. know if he says motherfucker as much. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Cocksucker. Yeah, cocksucker. <laughs> oh man, but you know, you know what I mean. It's it's kind of like it shows that things have progressed a little 
Yeah. And yeah, ultimately no, just I, says just how yeah, I, savage mankind can be. I think it's be. real interesting what you're saying. Like this juxtaposition of two savageries. Like from our perspective, they're both, they're savages. All of them. Yeah. Like, that's no way to live. But also to know that like that's a stepping stone on the way. You can't deny it. Like the, the savagery that the Wild West has imposed on these people is not nearly as bad as the savagery that these cave dwelling people would have had to have dealt with. And, and that's what's made them hard. Same with these people in this Western town. What's made them hard is what they've had to deal with. Yeah. And it does kind of question then, you know, what good comes out of all this? Like, do, do we ever really get past that savagery? Do we ever drop that old caveman troglodyte within us? Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a major theme in the movie. What do you think about the the women of this movie? Obviously, like yeah. we said, the, the troglodyte uh, woman scenario is is just it's very sad, horrific, yeah. and sad and, yeah. and awful. But but I think that one thing about this movie that's cool is that the women in it are are pretty badass. Yeah, I they mean, speak I, their mind. I guess on paper you could say, well, ultimately, you know, Sam is just a damsel in distress that they have to go save. But she's not. Well, but also the deputy sheriff. Nick got yeah. kidnapped, yeah. too. And he's in worse shape than she is. Oh, my God. And yeah. we'll, we'll so, talk about what happens to him. Right. Woo, my goodness. Now, w- there is an indication. Again, because this movie doesn't come out and say these things. There is an indication that she was raped by them. And that's what's happening, I think, when he asks her how many there are, and she seems to sort of lock up. Oh, I didn't think about that, but she's, she does know how many there are. She's counting how, ma- yeah, how many have raped her, basically. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, there, that's maybe there, but maybe not. Maybe... Maybe she's just been watching. She's just been watching, maybe. But beyond that, she is... A, she speaks her mind. She is capable as well. Because the doctor's drunk and she's the one they go to when the doctor's drunk yeah. to fix people up. She know. knows how to do these things. Yeah, like she's obviously probably the most capable doctor in town because right. the one that they call the doctor yeah. is just a fucking drunk all the time. And whenever the sheriff tells her that Arthur is on his way, she is disappointed to hear that. Meaning she wasn't expecting him to come and save her because she worries about him as well. She doesn't want him to come into this and get murdered. So she's not a damsel in distress yelling help. She's a, a, a woman who is in this terrible situation that has accepted her fate and hopes it doesn't happen to her husband. So it's kind of a lot of people treating each other as, as equals and yes. not, oh, my Prince Charming. Right. Now, you know, we see the sheriff and his wife. There's a, a little more maybe like... I have to do this because it's my job. I'm yeah, and, yeah, and she she doesn't want him to go, but he doesn't meet her halfway on that. He's just like, no, this is my job. This is what I got to do. And so she's not shown as being particularly strong or weak. She's just, her character's not fleshed out enough for us to know much, except that he loves her and she loves him. Yeah, and, and I think, too, that that's, that's not to show his dominance over no, his wife. I think that's to show his commitment to the law. Right. He is. N- there's no question. If I don't do it, nobody yeah. else will. Yeah. And I'm the sheriff, so I have to go and do this. And then we have Sean Young, who obviously is the mayor of the town, and her husband gets the title. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, she's supposed to be a badass, and I, I don't think in any way it indicates that she's 
maybe looked down on by everybody for being domineering with her husband because the sheriff doesn't seem to have any sort of disgust with her or anything he just knows she's the one who's in charge and he's the one that she's the one he needs to talk to yeah because he needs to get this done now it doesn't it's not about politics it's about getting something done and she's the one you go to right yeah yeah so i wouldn't say it's like a super like mega strong female movie no uh but also it it would have been unrealistic and not accurate for the time period if they had fucking Megan Fox set out on this trip with them wearing Daisy Dukes and a right. red cowboy hat. Like right. that, that would also have been period inappropriate. Yeah. You know? So I think that it, it's kind of like what you said earlier. It's like, it showed that women during this time weren't just, you know, damsels in distress. Right. But there were still some clear delineations. Like women were still wearing these uncomfortable dresses. Yeah, and she's not they the doc. She's the one that calling the doc is drunk, even though she's yeah, clearly they more don't capable. call her doc. Yeah, exactly. Though yeah. they should. She does all the work that this person they do call doc does, and all he does is drink all the time. Now, is this a horror movie? Now, Th- that's, that's This is up for debate. That's the big debate, I would guess, about this. Here, Here's my primary argument for why this is a horror movie. Okay. It is because this movie has an ending that cannot be declared a Western. This is not something you would see in a Western. Okay, how do you mean? You may hear of in uh, Native American savagery, and you may hear of these people doing terrible things, but it's always implied. It's always talked about, and it's, it's never shown. Boy, does that ever show it here. Boy, is it shown, yeah. It's shown very brutally, and and that is more of a, a more modern horror thing of uh, showing the brutality. I mean, you even see it in Tombstone with the way tuberculosis is is taking Doc Holliday. Like you see some of that brutality and whatnot, but what you don't see is a lot of scalping and stuff. We do see that in say um, the uh, Kevin Costner. We talked about it a little. Oh, bit. Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. You yeah. see a little bit of that, but it's it's also like it tries to show both sides, like. this tribe is also good and there's a lot to learn from them and stuff uh in this case there's none of that like this is uh this monstrous group that is inhuman if i'm correct about the throat thing inhuman and killing and eating people it fits some western narratives but there was always delicacy about it and this movie is not delicate no it shows the brutality in the end. Uncompromising yeah. brutality. And they're monsters, which I think is the big thing that changes it into horror, is yeah. that if they were just a native tribe that, like, you know, was no different than another tribe, this would be just a Western. Right. Mm. Yeah, that that's true. And, you know, again, I, I was expecting more of these supernatural elements yeah. and stuff, which would lend itself to being horror. And right. whenever you hear... Uh, the first troglodyte make that like shrieking whale kind of mm-hmm. noise. I was like, oh, it's like some kind of demon or something. Uh-huh. It had me thinking. It's like, okay, this is going to have some more typical horror kind of tropes in it. Turns out, no, they're just no. kind of cavemen. Yeah. You know? I I don't know. Like, I was never really all that scared during this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's not really a lot of other horror tropes going for it other than it has some gore yeah like what horror movies do Mm -hmm. i just don't know if it's really necessarily horror like it's a really brutal 
uh, visceral western, but I don't know if I would necessarily call it horror. I don't know, man. Here's what I'll say about western horrors is that it seems to me that aside from the burrowers, western horror is about the horror of cannibalism. Near dark, vampires are cannibals. Mm. Uh, Ravenous. Dust till dawn. Ravenous about cannibals. This is about cannibals. Cannibalism was the most horrific potential reality in the West. And ultimately, what it comes down to is what will you do to survive? Right. What will you do to survive? Yeah. How do you survive out Mm. here is ultimately the horror of cannibalism. This looks at the major horrors cannibalism, Mm. the worry of being killed by Native American tribe, the unknown. Right. And the the worry of your women being taken by ne'er do wells. Like it hits all the big, scary parts about being in the West. But I think the element that tips it over is that the creatures are creatures and not human. Oh, but they are human in some way. They're more human than human. Oh. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what he was trying to imitate. He must have oh. run into them and he was like, they do a thing with their throat. Yeah. Right yeah. yeah. Like, kind of like that. But. but dude, when it gets brutal, it gets brutal as fuck. Yeah. A man Holy gets, shit. A man gets, uh, gets scalped. And then bisected long ways. Cleft in twain in the common tongue, From we call it. From the crotch it. to the head. Holy fucking shit, man. While still alive. It is so rough, man. And uh, there's there's not really any any cuts. The camera angle doesn't really change. No, yeah, they do they do a really good job with they that. They start sawing at that scalp uh-huh. and that thing comes off. They shove it in his mouth mm-hmm, and then spike it. I guess they just nail a spike into a soft palate. They like spiking stuff over there. They do. And oh. then they, uh, yeah, they put them in that headstand position. Yeah. Chop them down between the leg regions. Chop that big boy down, yeah. And then they pull him apart, like, and his guts all fall out. Then later they cut open the sheriff and Ooh. shove a... Uh, a, a steaming hot flask. A steaming hot flask into him that he can't pull out because it's too hot. Ooh, yeah. I mean, now that's what I call a hot toddy. Yeah, (laughs) those (laughs) things are pretty horrific. But most of the deaths are just gunshots. Did you think it was excessive? No, because uh, those types of deaths were potentials among some native tribes in Central and South America. Yeah, yeah, you could be killed that way. I I never scalping was very common. Oh, extremely common. Like I never really got the feeling, even even though that particular scene with. Nick, I think is his mm-hmm. name, yeah. is extremely, extremely brutal yeah. and, again, just stays on him the whole time, doesn't really leave anything to the yeah. imagination. I still didn't really feel like it was just torture porn. Like, no. I never got the feeling that, like... Well, it goes real quick, too. Like, it does. It doesn't last long. Yeah, they're, they're doing it efficiently. I mean, that's... They practiced. Yeah, that's what you're gonna do with some meat you got. You're gonna gut it slice it and then you're gonna hang it yeah chew on that leg a little bit chew on that leg a little bit a little later yeah but by comparison you know last year in the terrifier is uh-huh, that called? right we had a woman that got cleft in twain right. at uh-huh. about the same way and yeah. in that movie i was like this is just 
really excessive. Like that that yeah. movie is very excessive. It is, violent. and they're going for that. That's that's yeah. what they're really aiming for is the excess of horror. And I didn't really get that feeling. No, it didn't from seem excessive this. to me. It just kind of like it made it very real. That like right. this is how savage these fucking people yeah. are. You know, it made the stakes real. Yes. You know the yeah that's that is something I actually like a lot more because with say the terrifier it's you're constantly being reminded I mean first off by the fact that there's a guy in clown makeup but by everything else going on in the movie you're constantly being reminded it's a movie yeah and totally this movie you can really get into it and be a part of it and yeah. those moments can be more visceral and real without doing quite as much mm-hmm. yeah I love too with this movie how the the onset of the the violent scenes mm-hmm. is just so sudden and shocking and again that goes back to no soundtrack right. and stuff like that that scene where they're they're all about up on the uh, the troglodyte cave mm-hmm. And that's where uh, Bruder gets like his hand cut off. They all get yeah. hit by arrows. Chicory gets like a rock thrown at his head. Mm-hmm. It's and he's got all, and his skull is exposed oh, for the rest of the movie. And it looks great. It does. Great it appliance looks really good. Makeup. It looks really good. Uh-huh. That to me just shows how during that time, if you were out there and you're out on the plains and you were dealing with these, you know, places you've never been, you don't know the terrain, mm-hmm. you don't know the who's going to be around any corner. Mm-hmm how quickly things can change. I mean, Bruder, the whole movie has just been a complete badass sharpshooter, like Jamie Lannister, yeah. invincible cat. And then he, he gets Jamie Lannister. His yeah. Fucking he hand gets, gets, cut he gets off. exactly Jamie Lannister. And he also wants to have his brave, you know, take out all the, the yeah. last guys moment. But then he just gets his head chopped in with a tomahawk. He does take that guy out, but that's it. He doesn't get to use that dynamite to blow them all up. Like he yeah. wants to. But I love that that just shows how, even for the toughest of the tough, like all that it takes is one instant yeah. and you're fucked. Nobody, nobody is immune. No. Yeah. There is no buildup. There is no, yeah. that slow degradation of, oh man, I think he, maybe he's going to die. Okay. He died. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, one wrong decision in a split second, you are fucking toast. And it also kind of uh, justifies Bruder's earlier actions in shooting the Mexicans that come up. Yeah, she first asked questions later. Yeah, because yeah. you don't. It is such a tiny, microscopic. Am, am I going to become friends with these guys? Or are they going to murder me in my sleep? He he's of the mind they'll probably try to murder me in my sleep. Yeah. yeah, dude. One of the things in the movie that made me squirm the most on the brutality side is just knowing that Patrick Wilson was walking around with that splint on his leg Ooh. and like he, every time he steps in a pothole, I'm just mm-hmm. like, Oh God, like my, my fucking toes curled. Like yeah, I've never broken a bone and that grosses like it is rough. Yeah. It's real rough. And yeah, he keeps basically rebreaking it. Oh, it's just awful. It's awful. It is just awful, man. Even at the end of this movie, like this movie has a somewhat happy ending, but it also has that, similar ending to a lot of of westerns of like yeah like that bit is done but now they have to get back okay so here's the thing that i was wanting to ask you about because i'm glad you brought that that particular thing up in the movie especially towards the third act yeah when we have nick getting just butchered Mm -hmm. in front of chicory and hunt and hunt is like the cavalry's coming you know they're gonna take care of all these bastards and stuff and then Chickory's like, why'd you tell him that? And he's like, well, because if that's I was what going, I want to hear. That's yeah. what I want to hear. Yeah. 
And then a little while later, yeah, we have Chicory talking about the flea circus. Yeah. And that's when Sam is like, I heard they use really flea, you know, real fleas and stuff. Yeah, she was a trying. To, yeah, that, that was that moment was a good turning point because Sam had basically given up. And then seeing Chicory's optimism. Yeah. She she wanted to preserve his innocence and optimism. Right. Yeah. So whenever at the end of the movie, we've got Hunt who is, you know, critically wounded. Yeah. And we know how many of the troglodytes are left. We know that he has a pistol mm-hmm. and he's going to try to take care of him because obviously these troglodytes know where the village is. Yeah. Well, not village, town. And they could come back and, and do more damage and stuff. Uh, he sends Chicory and mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Arthur. Yeah, Arthur. And Sam Samantha, out, yeah. you know, and knowing that, that, he, that, that he's back there and he's going to mm-hmm. die yeah. trying to take care of these things. There are three more left. Do you think that those three shots that we hear as they're walking off, Yeah. do you think that that was really him taking care of business and taking it to the I remainders? think they were him shooting for sure. But do you think that the it was first just him two, trying to give that comfortable optimism? I don't know. Because the first two were grouped together, and then later there's a third. He Maybe. What, what you get is Chicory's optimism. Basically, what that ending is, is a reminder to us of how optimistic Chicory is. Because he hears that, and he immediately is like confident that he shot all three of them. Drops his yeah. rock and just walks away. But we're not confident of that. Yeah. And, you have to, and you have to believe it because you want it to be, but maybe. Is it a message about having that kind of optimism or is it a message of just because you think that the threat is eliminated? Yeah. Doesn't mean it's eliminated. Yeah. Maybe don't go putting down your rock because right. he picked up that rock because he's like, yeah. I might need to club some motherfucker on the way out of right. here. He just hears three gunshots, mm-hmm. assumes... The you know the sheriff that I venerate and worship took mm-hmm. care of business and he killed these troglodytes. Yeah. I don't even need to hold this rock anymore, yeah, and, and he throws it down. It's it's both a triumphant moment for, and cautionary. For if you're, if you're a thinking, positive thinking type of person, you're like, oh, that's a nice ending. But if you have a more cynical mind, like Mister Bruder, like you and I, you're thinking, okay, even if he did shoot all three of them. Along the way there... Yeah, there's raiding parties. There was a raiding party. Yeah. Arthur uh, basically has a terrible infection in his leg. They might have to cut it off on the way back. And then basically they have to carry him. He's bigger than both of them. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to be optimistic entirely in the end. But it's a, it's a real is. glass half full, glass half empty yeah. kind of ending to this mm-hmm. movie, isn't it? Yeah. You know, where it's like, I think that the way that you feel about it kind of determines your outlook on life. Yeah. You know? Are you like, yeah, he did it. He took care of the the remaining ones. He doesn't yeah. even need a, to hold a rock right. anymore. <laughs> you know? Or you are you like, what an idiot. Yeah, they might need that rock. <laughs> yeah. You guys should have probably searched around for some weapons and whatnot. Man, and I love that line where Chickory's leaving Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell's like... Uh, tell my wife I said bye. I'll tell yours hello. Yeah, because his oh, wife is man. dead. It's fucking brutal. yeah. Woo. Yeah, I think the the central thing that we the way we connect to our main heroes is their love for their wives. Yeah, and um, Arthur is a more newlywed, and he is just enamored with his wife. She 
He says, she is my whole everything. Yeah, yeah. And then you got uh, the sheriff who obviously loves his wife and and he cares about, even in his last moment of death, he wants to send some regards to his wife. And then you got Chicory who goes every day to his wife's grave. Like, Oh, man. That, three, that scene of him putting yeah. flowers on her grave is brutal. And that makes the most interesting moment in the movie for me is when... Uh, Mr. Bruder says, I'm smarter than all three of yeah. you because a smart man wouldn't get married. Yeah. And they all shut up. They all immediately are like, yeah. Because a smart man in the wild west dealing with all those things knows that if you have a wife, you have a responsibility and a yeah. connection. The connection is a weakness. Yeah. And it's a weakness. So none of them will say no. You're wrong. They agree because yes, in this in this moment, it's probably very glaringly clear to them how dumb it was to give in and care so much about somebody else. They know it's making them more vulnerable. But they're also happier than he is. Right? They, yeah, they have something to live for, whereas all he has to live for is revenge. Damn. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Pretty cool. And you know that that layer of vulnerability that you're talking about too is I think something that is really cool in this movie and again just doesn't seem like it's played up to be woke as fuck or whatever. But like the dudes in this even though they're so fucking hard ass and you know brutal at times they all cry at some point Mm -hmm. during the movie. Each one of them. And it's all very very believable and very natural Mm -hmm. and doesn't just seem like Oh, they're trying to make cowboys into sissies and make them nope. cry. Like it's all very logical. Mm-hmm. Like Patrick uh, Wilson is is saying that prayer for his wife, right. and he gets kind of worked up because yeah. he knows how desperate this entire situation yeah. is. You know, it's it's cool to me. Even Bruder, when Bruder has to like shoot his horse, like yeah. he oh, sheds yeah. a tear. Well, too. see, that's the thing that Bruder's always trying to avoid, and you see why he's trying to avoid it because he cares deeply. So. He has a connection with Mrs. Dwyer where he, he tried to court her before. Oh, yeah. That's some cool like yeah. subtext. In and the movie he too. feels a responsibility toward her just because he came and got her that night. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that he cares so deeply that he can't let himself care. Yeah. Like he has to stay uh, detached from everything because, yeah, when his, his horse gets uh, killed, he, he seems very devastated by it. And that's something that I really like about this movie, too, as far as you saying that Bruder was the guy that went and got Sam to do this operation, which is why Sam got caught, which is why he has to go help her and stuff. There's this great line of cause and effect and setup and payoff in this movie where it's like, okay, if if the doctor hadn't been drunk, Mm -hmm. then Sam wouldn't have gone. Right. If Sam wouldn't have gone, then they wouldn't have had that tincture of opium. Right. But the fact that Sam was the one that got called because the real doctor was drunk means that they ended up with her medicine bag, which, which had the tincture use. of opium, yeah. which they then fight over because they don't want Arthur getting addicted to that shit and falling off his yeah. horse and stuff. But then later on, use. that same tincture is what yeah. they use against the troglodytes. Yeah. Like, there's this great line of cause and effect where you realize, like, yeah. every little thing that happened continues to happen through the movie and the thing that basically would have changed everything is if arthur didn't go the people who would have went all still would have died 
and then the troglodytes would come back to the town and kill everybody else. Yeah. The the most unfortunate thing that happened is that now Arthur has to go despite his broken leg, but it's also the most fortunate thing that happened because it actually makes it possible for them to win. Yeah. Yeah. There's not really a lot of like holes no. in, in this movie. Mm-mm. The closest thing I could think of is, you know, when he when he digs that throat bone out of that guy and is like, maybe I can use it as a whistle. That's yeah. a little bit of yeah. a that's a bit of a logical lo- leap. A little bit of a logical But I think leap. also Also, how did he get up to the cave with his like broken leg? He was crawling. That, I mean, that they they did a good a shot that kind of showed that where he was crawling and then it just had a shot of like ahead of him and you see how slow he's actually going. Yeah. You realize like this dude's fucking determined. Like, wow. <laughs> so he crawls his way the whole way. I assume that like what I thought was the same as you, but watching it again, like I think the third time I was like, he needs to rest anyway. He sees this and he's like, what is that? And he cuts it out. Like the fact that he figured out I need to put it in my mouth and blow on it. It's a bit of a leap. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll call them to me. Right. Yeah, I can kill him and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't really question why he, he inspected it, but it is questionable as to why he realized like, Oh, that's how they make that noise. I love to man. Like the, the, the sense of camaraderie and like brotherhood between those four dudes. Yeah. I'm not even going to say brotherhood. Like, just their sense of common decency towards each other. True. You know, they weren't, they didn't even hesitate for a second to be like, okay, you know, Arthur, you're hobbling. Yeah. We're going to leave you behind. We're going to go on ahead of you. Uh, We'll leave you a pile of rocks to let you know. Yeah. You know, these four rocks in a row to let you know where we were, but we've, we've got shit to do. We're going to go on ahead. And he's like, that's fine. I'll catch up to you guys while you sleep. But then at the same time, like, they didn't just look at him as like, oh, here's this fucking burden slowing us down. It's like, whenever yeah. he caught up to him, they had spread out a little better all for him. Yeah. They, they had filled his canteen. And they, they put food in his squirrel bag while he was asleep. Yeah. yeah it's just like this common respect and decency mm. to each other that I thought was cool. They spend such minimal effort trying to convince him not to go because it, it's just, it seems like it's the sheriff's mentality of... I see that he is not going to be convinced, and I'm not going to try. Yeah. I'm just going to try to make the best of it. Fucking awesome, awesome character movie. dynamics, man. Wonder. Really, really, really awesome. I can't complain about much. Like, as soon as I finished the movie last night, I uh-huh. was like, ah, that could have been shorter. They could have cut some stuff out. Yeah. But then, you know, I was like, today I was thinking about it, and I was like, I don't really know what they could have, though. Mm. All of the stuff that you could say is just kind of killing time or just dialogue between characters... Or it's just them walking, like Lord of the Rings style or whatever. Yeah. It was all things that drew me further into that world and made me care about those characters more, you know? I'm glad you said Lord of the Rings because that's what it reminded me a good bit of in the end was... Like, this is the Fellowship of the Ring. They make sure it it happens. Like, they do what they can. And uh, if they got to get separated, they'll get separated and hopefully get back together. What the hell? Wait. This is really a lot like Lord of the yeah. Rings. Like, Chicory is Samwise. Yeah. Holy shit. It's what? It's a whole lot like Lord of the Rings. I, and they, they, what are they called? The troglodytes. They even look like the Urukai. Like, what have we just done? <laughs> We've cleft this movie in twain. Yeah. We finally did it. Take that, everybody. Yeah, boom. This is Lord of the Rings. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really, really dig this movie. I will totally watch it again. Uh, again, I can't really necessarily... Say it's a straight horror movie. I think that it's as much of a horror movie as it is a comedy. Okay. <laughs> you know? Because like ultimately, it's a Western. Yes. Right. 
Is it a comedy? I don't know. There's comedic elements. Is it a horror movie? I don't know. There's horror elements. It's a really interesting flick, man. Yeah. I can't really think of anything yeah. that is its uh, equal in terms of like what I would compare it to. Mm. Gorgeous movie. Incredible acting. Love the character interactions and stuff. Brutal. Yes. Practical effects. Yeah. I really, really dug this movie. Yeah, me man. too. I think this, this, to me, if I'm going to kind of sum this thing up and give it a, a numerical rating. Yeah. That's probably going to be like an eight for me, I think. All right, man. You know, it is, uh, it's better than the average bear. <laughs> well, I love Westerns, and this is very much one, um, and, and one of my favorites, because it, it combines the elements of horror that I've always wanted to see done well in a, a Western, while being very much a Western. You're not going to find a better cast for this. You're not going to see a better version of this. I would say. That's a good way to put it. There's not going to be. This also reminds me a bit of uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like To me, like this movie is if Cormac McCarthy wrote The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Okay. That's essentially what this is. And also reminds me of uh, X-Files episode Home from season four, episode two. I've seen that. It's the most brutal episode of X-Files. One of the best. And... Yeah, just just watch it and you'll mm. see exactly what I'm talking about. That okay. it's it. This definitely takes some from that. Is it a standalone episode? Do it's I need a standalone. Yeah, stuff? yeah. Okay. You don't need to know anything about the story up to that point. It's a monster of the week, so it's got some of those elements, and I really dig what it's drawing from. Like the things that we keep saying that it's like. I'm like, yeah, great. I yeah, want I love more those of things. Yeah, cool. I like that. Some more of that. So I love this movie, and I think an eight is right for you. Yeah. I think a nine is right for me because I, yeah, I, I got it for this Western that really just nails what I love about Westerns. I, I really dig this movie. Fuck yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm so glad to have, uh, to have covered this one because I've been wanting to watch it for a while now. Yeah. Exceeded expectations, man. Now, next week on the show, we're going to be talking about The Mist, which, the as Moose. you said, is a Patreon-submitted yeah. uh, pick, yeah. which is really cool. I love doing these things, and I love that you guys are hearing what you guys want to hear out of the show. So, yeah. one hand washes the other. Steve, where can they follow us on social media? At until Dead this Lovely week? Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Dead and Lovely Pod cast horror movie group. Yeah, that's the one. Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast group on Facebook. Uh, and at dead lovely pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Oh, does, was that right? Dead so. and lovely pod at gmail.com. It's so difficult. It's so I difficult. I know. Got a Discord. Uh, find out all about that. We also have a Patreon. Boom. Go give some money. There are three levels there. If you donate on the $5 level, you get to submit a movie title that. We will randomly draw from periodically. Uh, As we just said, we drew The Mist. Last month, we did 28 Days Later. Uh, They Live, Alien, and uh, uh, Dead Alive. Dead Alive, that's the one. We did all those on Patreon suggestions. So donate $5 a month and start deciding what we watch. There you go. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Those reviews really help us show up in the search engines and stuff. So... Please go ahead and submit your positive, glowing review today. Well, we'll be catching up with you guys next week when we talk about The Mist, which I'm excited about because 
I have never seen it, although I do know the ending. You ending's, do? Ending's been spoiled. Oh, that sucks. Oh, I know, I know. All right. But I love how grim it is. It so is So I think grim. I'll enjoy it when it gets yeah. there. So I'm okay with that. So we'll be talking about that next week. You guys be sure to tune in. You guys have been just damn rooting and tooting, and we've been dead and lovely. Cowboy Steve says goodbye. Adios, amigo. Gonna ride that old dusty trail. Down the old town road. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Get up, stand up, don't give up the fight. So as we were sitting on the beach listening to my father-in-law's beach playlist, Uh which is of course plenty of... The Eagles. Well, no. <laughs> you know what? Plenty of Jimmy Buffett. Oh, Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Yeah. Which, P.S., total tragedy that he has not opened a Jimmy Buffet anywhere in a Margaritaville. <laughs> P.S. The Jimmy Buffet. The Jimmy Buffet. Yeah. And P- like, nobody knows how to say it. It's like, yeah. is it called the Jimmy Buffett? The Jimmy Buffett. Is it the Jimmy well, Buffett? What if it was the Jimmy Buffett Buffet? <laughs> It's just spelled the same way twice. Yeah. And it was like, oh, shit. Then just looks at people like, it's the Jimmy Buffet Buffett. Shit. His middle name is Buffet. <laughs> Phoebe Buffet, Jimmy Buffet Buffett. (laughs) If Phoebe had married Jimmy Buffett, it would have been Phoebe Buffet Buffett. And it would have been the greatest. Yeah, it would have been. (laughs) So on his playlist, he's also got a lot of those classic, you know, Bob Marley tunes and stuff. Right, of course. And one that that started playing on there one day was a little get up, stand up. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's playing, it's all all reggae-like and stuff. And uh, uh, the white people, they go crazy for it. They oh, love boy, it. they love it. And I'm they listening to this. They feel closer to Jaw. Yeah, they feel closer to Jaw. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, just kind of fucked up enough while I was sitting on there on the beach yeah. to like listen to it and be like, okay, this song is like a protest song. Yeah. It's like, get up and fucking fight. It's like a yeah. Rage Against the Machine song, basically. Yes. Yeah. But... Now, like 30 or 40 years after the fact, like, the people that it would have been raging against listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, it reminds me of being on a beach. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're clapping their hands on one and mm-hmm. three and stuff. I don't really like when people protest. <laughs> I love that Bob Marley. <laughs> what? Huh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little strange. Bob Dylan's my favorite. <laughs> what? White people are crazy. White people are crazy. Yes. <laughs>